Welcome to episode 11 of the Joy of Comics podcast. I'm Rich Lepore. Jordan Alseka. Kevin Schaefer. I got a little southern twang on that little I'm Rich Lepore there. I don't know what was going on with that one. Um, but anyway, we are here, we are back, and we are going to be talking about a really fun topic today, uh, as well as a lot of news. Uh, we got a lot of Suicide Squad uh, fallout from the film. I, sort of an what addendum else can you call it? to addendum. our review. Uh, we, we, re- we did a weekend of release uh, review, which means a lot of the following and the fallout and the reveals and the the tragic twists hadn't happened yet so uh, we couldn't include them incorporate them one might say in our original review two weeks after the movie came out but recording a week later because there was another episode we had a little bit of a shuffle but a lot happened in one week for this film it's pretty crazy Um, but i did see that it's somewhere around 456 million right now Okay. So that's not too shabby, but uh, we well, got those news bits. Yeah, oh, I don't know what their goal. I think their goal is like eight hundred. Yeah, yeah, they want. I think yeah, they need eight hundred yeah. to be a success. And these marketing budgets. Well, we'll talk all about that. Well, so anyway, BBS, that's just they were shooting for a billion. They were. Yeah. And th- well, anyway, that, that's a little tease of what's to come in news. Um, we are also going to be talking about some CW news and updates that uh, have been announced. There's, yeah. there's like techni- if you include animated, there's now six shows. In the Arrowverse? I'm telling you, someday, somehow, this is going to reach critical mass. It's going to. It has to. Come I on. mean, CW still has Friday nights they could put a superhero oh show on. Oh, my God. Just CW's just getting... It's getting ludicrous. But you know what? That's okay. When I hear all the number of CW shows, like, your case for CW gets more and more compelling. Because, man, when I just hear the number of shows that are on that channel... Somebody was talking about how they love Supernatural, and they were like, and really, everything I watch that I love is on CW. And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah, think about it. And they started listing off the shows, and I'm like, what? There's a lot of freaking shows on that channel, man, that people love. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we're going to be talking about that. We are also going to be talking about what we've been reading, because this is the joy of comics after all, so uh, all of us have been reading stuff. Uh, uh, Jordan and Kevin, uh, probably a little more than me, but I have a couple nice picks to talk about. Um, and then we are also going to move on to a really cool topic that Jordan came up with that also ties into Suicide Squad. Uh, why don't you talk about that a little bit, Jordan? Yeah, so, uh, in relation to Suicide Squad, which we covered over on the Joy of Film, uh, we are going to look at our favorite Batman villains. And if you haven't listened to the Joy of Television episode from last week, uh, one of the things we used to do a lot and are getting back to with the Joy of Gaming as well is doing themed episodes of having some fun topic that can just make for a discussion for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, we've In getting with these shows, we've been a little chaotic with all the different teams, and it's basically just been every two months we'll do a TV episode, every two months we'll do a film episode and, and just try and get all the news out and all the, like, a movie review or something. But now that we're back with regularity and with timeliness and we're just on point all around, I'm a lot happier with the way everything's running. Very much Hopefully so. you all are as oh, well. Absolutely. Um, I know you can come here uh, every week and find an awesome podcast. Well, hopefully. I'd like to Ideally, think awesome we're, podcast. we're hitting it more than we're not now. Yes, yes. Uh, which is a good thing. And so, yeah, we're doing themes. Uh, you can see it. We did best characters on The Joy of Television, our favorite TV characters in a few different categories. Uh, we're going to do best Batman villains here. And with the film season finally letting off a bit, we might have film episodes that can have a topic every now and then was that, around was, the Was that you just announcing the topic there, that little like aside you just did? Or did you say it before and I missed it? The Batman? Yeah, yeah I mentioned it very briefly. But yeah, okay. we're looking at, in relation to Suicide Squad, which features a lot of them, we are looking at the Batman's extensive rogues gallery. And this was not an easy task to determine our favorites out of, No, if like, you go... Oh my gosh. If you go to the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page, yeah. it's... For days. It's categorized. Yeah. It's brutal. And it, then, go ahead. Oh, no, I was thinking... I mean, you've got... Like Jordan was mentioning, you've got Bat Family villains. You've got ones from the animated shows. You've got all these other ones that go outside just the main canon. Corrupt cop. Yeah, there's a corrupt yeah, cop yeah, tier. Yeah. There's an organized crime tier. There's yeah. a, a lot of different... Eh, 
a lot of different a lot of different villains have like the, you know there's five different real world names for them, yeah. but they all have the same moniker. Surprised by how many clay faces there were. I don't know. There there that that was what I was going to say. <laughs> there are a lot of clay faces. Oh there are a lot of clay faces. But anyway, um, it's it's a really fun topic to talk about. Obviously, we're going to have to have some sort of caveat, or you know, we'll phrase our discussion in such a way that we're probably not going to either any of us pick the Joker. Um, not that it's, he's not a great villain. He is an amazing villain, especially we'll all agree Jared Leto's performance was brilliant. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come across I'm just the kidding, mic. Jordan. I'm just no, kidding. But I liked it. But. I, I think we'd all agree Joker is the, you know, he's <laughs> right. obviously the villain. We yeah, wanted no, to kind they're... of steer away from the obvious ones like him, you know. I mean, of course, the ones that come to mind when you think Batman villains be Joker, Harley Quinn, Two-Face, Penguin... We were a lot of ours are going to be Bane. a little more Bane. Yeah, a lot of ours <laughs> are going to be more on the obscure um, side, and some of our you know because we people who consume the comics out you know outside the movie and TV universe, and so um, you know we have a long list here of villains to choose from. That's awesome. Well, I'm really excited to do that. And another little teaser: we have an update in the news segment about. Uh, what Jared Leto's uh, damage tattoo and grill uh, just might mean. Yeah. Uh, from from the horse's mouth, Mr. David Ayer. So, just saying, just There's saying. a lot to talk about. Uh, opinions may have soured on Suicide Squad since our last review, uh, but we'll find out in the coming minutes. Yes, yeah. Wait, uh, what? We'll see. We got news stories, and things that have come out about the movie are making me a little less favorable towards it. Less favorable? Right. You were already ripping it, but... <laughs> you gave it a four! Is it now at a zero? But I recommended it. Is it at a zero though now? No, but like, you recommended it based on only only watching you it as a train wreck, as a, as a movie watch, that's fun but crappy. You recommended watching it like I, late night when you have nothing better to do. Yeah, I didn't see any kind of recommend. That was just a. I had fun watching it. It was terrible. Yeah, that's what I heard. That's what, <laughs> I know what you heard, they, Kevin. They, oh, I, I, liked much it, so. I liked it more than BBS, and I would watch it before I watched that or Man of Steel. That it's my favorite of the okay. DCEU. Oh. Okay, and I'd still say it is, but. Uh, I, guess we, we I can't imagine in. how a four of a four yeah, rating of Suicide lower, Squad could I'm be soured. I'm interested in this. Well, let's let's take a look at the news, I guess, which is going to okay. relate a lot to the DCEU. These are film and TV topics, what? but what? oh, you got it, you got it. Uh, Rich is holding up right now. Um, on Arkham. on Arkham on Blu-ray. Very good move back there. Yeah, dude, I got. I, I actually have had this. I never opened it, and then I recently opened it. I haven't watched it yet because I've had time. Sure. It's how busy I've been. However, I do have Assault on Arkham, which I hear is ball. It's good. Yep. So I'm excited to see it. Exciting. We'll talk all right, next time. All right, all right, all right. All right. So first things first. Uh, now, Suicide Squad had a record-setting opening. Oh, it did indeed. We all know that it blew out the August records. Of the I think the R-rated record. I can't remember if that or Deadpool did it blow still Deadpool? holds it. Deadpool. Held Deadpool. Held Deadpool. Held no, 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 no. It's not R. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's not R. Yeah, 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 yeah. My yeah. brain. No, no, it, it, it blew out the uh, the record you're thinking of is the August record. The August yeah. record, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and that, so, so it blew it by a lot. It blew it out by a lot. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think Guardians was one of the ones that were top yeah. up there, and it's like, it blew it to pieces. So, anyway, well, that said. That said, um, well, it didn't drop as bad as Batman v Superman, but whereas Batman v Superman dropped 68%. In its second weekend, uh-huh. Suicide Squad dropped 66%. That was the estimate mm. yesterday. I didn't see the final number, but the drop was pre- basically right around there. Uh, it, it does, is, that, does that qualify as precipitous? Uh, if 68 does, I don't see how 66 doesn't. Mm. Yeah, it, uh, it plummeted. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just an interesting thing to note. I'm pissed at critics. Critics. Is it critics? Look, yes. a movie like... No, yes. no, 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 no. A movie like this it's is buzz. word of mouth. Buzz. That's as much as anything. Oh, yeah? Well, then everybody that I've talked to that tells me how much fun they had seeing it 
you know, is the word of mouth I'm talking about. Like well, other people, I'm not telling, like, I have people I've talked to who aren't seeing it because of my opinion. So, I mean, it's it goes both ways. I guess that's true. I, I did want to actually make this point, and there is there's somebody that I work with, and she was telling me her opinion of it, and I swear to God, she's a, a 20-year-old girl, mm-hmm. has some knowledge of, you know, like, she loves The Flash, she, mm-hmm. she has some knowledge of, of comics, but she's not, like, super mired in it all. She, her one biggest comment was, I loved Harley and the Joker. She goes, I just love how they were in love in this. I'm just okay. saying. Okay. Like, okay, now I, I, I'm just saying there are people, there is an audience for this movie. There, There's reasons they did those things. Mm-hmm. We are not the target for that decision. Right. right. But there are people that were. And, there's, mm-hmm. and she was saying all these people told her how much they love it. A lot of people that I work with love that movie. They're not thinking about the implications in the DCU. They're just thinking, man, did they love that movie. Right. And I mean, in just a non-critical, poppy way, people really are enjoying it. So I would argue, from my very, um, what do you call it when it's just a tiny sample size? Um, Limited? No, yes. But also, thanks, man. That was also a little subtle jab. Um, but no, 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 no. Um, I did not mean it as I, I know, but what do you call it when something is um, not statistical, but... Blank on oh my god, blank. guys! You're killing me here, man. This Sorry, is the literary corner, and this yeah, is, I know. We're 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 at a loss for words. Anecdotal, anecdotal. Okay, Jeez, okay, okay, man. Okay, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. However much you want to, I had to have my well, own back. It's anecdotal, but I'm just saying that from what I've seen, word of mouth is is positive on this movie. It's the it's the critical buzz that just, destroyed it. No, no, you look no, it up no, on no, the no, web because no. my other friend Melissa, she's all talking about. Oh man, that everybody says it's terrible. Everybody online is just saying how horrible it is. And every time she goes online, she reads more and more and more about how horrible it is. Well, that's cherry picking, though. I think if it was more the critical, it wouldn't have made as much money to begin with. It had a huge swell of people going to the theaters to fight the movies. The movies being the out for the rest of the week. I, you, that does sound like a compelling point. I, I just don't know, man. I just really feel like the, the critic savagery, man. A critical. I savagery. mean, I'm not saying it helps. There are people who read reviews, but for, there's a lot of people that are also probably hearing it's bad from people. There are people hearing it's good from people, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it. You aren't getting repeat, but viewers it is good. <laughs> That's the problem. It is good. That's right. debatable. All right. But what's interesting about this to me is someone brought up the argument that. There, there's there's the risk of these being very much... You get the fans who are going to see it no matter what, and mm. that's the only audience these movies are going to pull if they continue to perform this way. Mm. And it's like... And I thought it was interesting to see someone put it that way because we had the argument about whether or not the mo- it's okay that these are for fans first. Right. And this is kind of the counterside. If you can't bring in right. the, the layman, as yeah, it yeah, were, yeah, who yeah. isn't as familiar with all of the minutiae of these universes, right. and who isn't going to see every superhero movie because it's, it's what you. they do... It's going to be a problem, especially oh, yeah. the way things are going. Yeah. Um, I'm pissed at critics. <laughs> you are a critic. <laughs> I know. I'm pissed at other critics. <laughs> I'm pissed at the fact that more critics didn't do what Jordan did and say very clearly it's a recommend, even though it's not a great movie. Well, they I might think not that needed to be it, more though. freaking blatant. They right. probably didn't enjoy it. I ha- you. Let's be fair. As far as my opinion goes, I watch. You know, I've seen all five Kickboxers. Willingly, and because I enjoyed them for how dumb they were. I'm I'm not the standard likes good movies, doesn't like bad movies type of critic. Like I can enjoy a really dumb bad movie and think that yeah, you should totally watch it because there's this really stupid. Like part. I was my my biggest point that that I was trying to drive home on that podcast that we did about Suicide Squad was that I think I think that critics are unfairly waiting 
certain things like you know uh, critical more critical factors over enjoyment sheer enjoyment factor i just think that in general critics are doing too much of that overall i mean i i hear you i get all the points i know sure. you know i but, mean we disagree there yeah. you can hear it yeah. if you haven't but yeah i i think it's just the, the point being a 66 percent drop off in its second week is a bad thing and yep. it's the sort of question of if if there is a trend of these movies Making a lot and then suddenly like shooting what down. What is the usual drop off? Uh, I don't know exactly. I just. I mean, is it fifty? I mean, because it's not going to be like right as big second week. I mean, I mean, it's going to be significantly less. Right, I mean, right. I mean that we usually see it's less than a fifty percent drop off. I don't know, so, like, but there are other blockbusters that stay number one in the box office for. So the Suicide weeks. Squad. I mean, right? It's number one. Uh, I'm not actually sure. Nothing came out this week though to challenge it. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's always a, you know, another thing you have to look at. August sure. is still getting to be the point where it's a movie like Bonanza. Okay. Uh, you know, coming out at the end of the summer means you pretty much You're gonna have the it. theater yeah, for yeah, a few yeah. weeks. Yeah. Nice. Um, Smart move. I think yeah. we, we were talking about, yeah, like Sausage Party was one of the big movies to come out this week. It's right. not It's not going to have the exact same audience as Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the next thing that looks a little to the future before we talk more about Suicide Squad was mm-hmm. an open letter was written by a former employee of WB. Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to go into the full details. I don't have the letter in front of me. It was generally about uh, her experience working there and, you know, sort of a call to the studios are downsizing. There's a lot of issues there where it's a bad environment because they're making, consistently making bad films. And it, uh, however you feel about the letter, it was kind of a general, <clears throat> it was a little bit of, of, of bitching, but I think that's fair when you've lost your job, all your friends have lost your job. And you see the studio continue to invest in people like Zack Snyder and filmmakers who have delivered these bombs by being like, no, they're going to get it right this time. It sounds like that's what the culture is at the at the higher levels. And she so she wrote a letter, open letter. Did it specifically mention Zack Snyder? I don't. I remember specifically, but yes, it talked about Batman v Superman. It specifically mentioned DC as a big part of it. It also talked about some of their other films. Kevin's pulling it up right now. Like what other film? Like one example. Uh, I don't know WB okay. directly. Kevin's going to get us some specific beats here in a second. When this goes, um, the interesting part, though, that came out is she wrote about you You did it poorly with Man of Steel, you did it poorly with BVS, and now you're seeing it happen again with Suicide Squad. And don't try and hide behind the awesome trailer for Wonder Woman. I've heard from people on the, in the inside and on, in the know that that movie is going to be just as big of a mess. Now, that being the takeaway for this particular story, we'll talk a little bit more about the letter when Kevin gets it up, but in response, Patty Jenkins, who is the director of Wonder Woman, came out to say, this is baseless, she doesn't list any specific sources, you know, this is all just total bullshit, the movie's gonna be great, we're working really hard on it. Now... I would say that no matter what. Exactly. However, hopefully it's true. Hopefully it's true. Hopefully it's true. But in this scenario... It's impossible to trust either of those sources. Right. They're um, both incredibly biased. One, it's their baby. The other, and and that's the only thing to say. And number, and the other is, you know, potentially very bitter about being fired. Uh, whether or not that's that's influencing their, you know, their open letter or not, it's debatable. But, I, you know, I couldn't say one or another how fair they're being. I mean, but these are all opinions, too. You know what I mean? It's all opinion-based. I do, I would say that doesn't it's if I had to say if it was a positive or a negative omen for Wonder Woman, I'd say it's on the negative side. I would agree. I think, and you know, no, I don't want to completely throw Patty Jenkins under the bus because 
you know, she's probably doing her best to make a good movie, whatever the actual work environment and whatever Zack Snyder's involvement or whatever all of that was. Um, I'm sure she wants to be proud of the movie no matter what, and I'm sure she's putting her all into it. It may be great. Um, it may be great. It may okay. be, it may be, okay, go ahead. So I got the letter up here. Yeah, it is brutal. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, just an excerpt here. Your uneven Hall H presentation at Comic-Con this year was a ridiculous mess that ranged from rushed to boring. When Marvel announced their full slate of films with a fun fan event several years ago, you announced yours on a shareholder conference call. Um, you just don't get it, and it's not just DC movies. Uh, it's your whole slate. Jupiter Ascending, Get Hard, Hot Pursuit, Max, Vacation, Pan, Point Break. Um, wow. Pan, you jerk. People lost their jobs and decided Pan was a good idea. You think another Jungle Book is a good idea. Uh, what are you doing? I wish to God you were forced to live out of a car until you made a number one movie of the year. And it says, yeah, maybe Wonder Woman wouldn't be such a mess. Don't try to hide behind the great trailer. People inside are already confirming it's another mess. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty, I mean. Yeah, it's a brutal a letter. letter. Yeah. Um, I lend more credence because writing this, look, it's it's an open letter. You don't write this because you expect it to have a... I mean, well, you write it to hope it'll have an effect, but I, I don't think you specifically call out one film because you're trying to hurt Wonder Woman. So yeah, I don't think, that's And she probably does have those inside sources who aren't towing the company line of being like, they have to publicly endorse this no matter how bad it is. Right. And I That think, is one thing I didn't even think about, though, because we're always talking about DC Universe. I didn't even think about that those were... these Some of these bad movies she listed off were Warner Brothers recently. I was like, well, yeah, they've had a bad run. When it makes that point, throwing in things like Point Break. Right. I mean, I'll give you an example, right? Point Break... Is I don't want to get too much into film on this episode, yeah. but Point Break is one of the movies from my childhood that I absolutely w- was in love with. Right, I love right. that movie. It's super fun. It was Swayze and Keanu. Sure. And everything about that movie is incredibly fun. Sure. And it's actually a well-done movie. It's got a twist that blew my mind when I was 12, but whatever. And I loved it. This movie is a remake of Point Break. And, like, every you remember me. I was like, I want to see it. I want to see it. Like... And everything about that movie turns me off. Yeah. Like, every decision they could have made to make it good, they made the opposite decision. Yeah. So I understand where somebody like this is coming from and sees mm-hmm. mistakes like that, like yeah. Pan. I mean, it's it yeah. comes right with the right title, right? Pan. Right. Right. Pan's right. the right movie to Pan, call yeah, out exactly. specifically. And I mean, it's just, it, the list goes on. But when you hear that list of movies, it's like, wow. I mean, it's 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 vacation was a bomb. I mean, the, the whole list is just they can't buy a hit. I mean, but the reality is, Point Break made every mistake. Like, if there was anybody, I could have gone into that studio and I could have made that movie better. And like, I can imagine this person's frustration. She's like, I don't know what her role was, but I didn't say in the letter. But she what, probably or, wasn't know, but, like the, a director, no. but she was somebody she just an amateur who was yeah. probably thinking I could have made a better freaking movie. You know, and at the end, I get she, that. She talks about the point we were just talking about, the whole critics and fans. She says, I love that studio, and you're allowing it to sink. It's not about making movies for the fans and not the critics. It's not even about ruining childhoods. It's about protecting livelihoods. And, like, she says, if I worked at a donut stand and I kept effing up donuts, I'd be fired. Even um, And so, yeah, it's just... Well, what is she calling for, exactly? I think just... A s- I mean... Uh, it's hard. I would say, like, a... a um... For them to a almost like yeah, a real evaluation, a wake up call. Yeah, like she ends I mean, up that's she, calling, uh, telling the president. She, she, she made that donut analogy, and so she her last line is, "It's time to wake up and make the effing donuts, Kevin." Kevin being the like not me. I no. forget. Yeah, not, not Kevin. Me. Not this not Kevin. Me. I'm not in charge Kevin. of Warner Brothers. I'm in charge of Warner no. Brothers. Darn it! My secret's out. <laughs> my secret's out. Um, no, I don't. 
his, I don't know. It's the president of the league, yeah. 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 Um, Kevin, oh, that is a lot of vowels. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. Anyway, anyway the point matter. being, it speaks to a larger corporate. It sounds like a corporate culture of uh, heavy, heavy studio involvement. In, it like, sounds like a, it also sounds like workshop. It also sounds like a studio environment of nepotism out the yin yang. Right. Sounds like here's my buddy. I'm going to give this movie to him. Here's my other buddy. I'm going to give it to him. Here's Zack Snyder. You know, like don't, don't you guys remember the story yeah. about Zack Snyder's? Uh, BVS being aired and there being a standing ovation of WB staffers. You remember that story? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Like, there is a, a group of people in that studio. It could be... I mean, it's kind of like a cancer, right? I'm not saying it is a cancer, but I'm saying that is what the people use right. the cancer analogy for when they're talking right, about right. people. They're sure. like, this thing starts growing and it's like a sickness in anywhere. And then it grows and it expands and it's just... Until you cut the whole thing out, it's just going to continue to grow and yeah. fester and fuck shit up. It's and, also- and that's what... Potentially is going on there. I'm not saying it we, is. What's yeah, we going don't on know there. for sure. I mean, their output doesn't speak to greatness. But when right. you look at it that way, it's like, well, you have the yes men who have been hired on and yeah. they're going to stand up and because that's what they're paid to do. And then yeah. you have the people who are in such a low position where it's like, well, if they dissent, they're just going to get shit canned over. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I just think I just think the Zack Snyder issue is a weird issue. I think it's going to be interesting to see where the rest of these movies come down. I'm hoping Wonder Woman turns out to be good. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed Suicide Squad. I think that some decisions that were made last minute, like there's a, there's an article that you showed me, Jordan, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, that's next on the dot. Um, you know that 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 points out. You know, some some somebody claims to have inside information on what was going to be the cut and what ended up being the cut, and some of those decisions that were made. And it, it does sound very true. Between, I mean, yeah, between. Scenes from trailers they reference, and you know, that's the thing. Confirmations from the novelization, yeah, it seems pretty. It does, it does, and so it's it's definitely interesting. I think it could have been an even better movie, and I think that WB definitely, you know, the 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 overhead involvement hurt that film. I think there's no question, no matter how much Mm -hmm. you liked it, it's pretty clear to say that there was going to be a version where Joker and Harley were like they are in the comics, and then that version was excised. I mean, you know. Well, anyway, we can we can we can segue into that. But I mean, I just I have a lot of high hopes that these movies can get better. I mean, I that should all be our hope is you know the optimism there. But so I mean, I I don't know really what to make of this. You know, I mean, she's calling out um, you know the president directly and saying you're the problem and um, everything needs to be reevaluated upside down. Which I mean, I'm always for reevaluation when there's a significant problem reoccurring. You know. I mean, look how good DC in the comics you know, DC is doing with Rebirth. Now, you know, I mean, they took into consideration. I mean, they their sales tanked after Convergence um, across the border. I thought when I talked with comic shop owners around here, that was across the border, and now DC's uh, back in the top selling um, books like every week. Um, so Rebirth was a great demonstration of that, where they didn't knock everything out, but they had. Um, they made an effort to yeah. That's look an, back and regain what was lost. It's, and an, it's an interesting phenomenon, though, because it's all the success of Rebirth is predicated upon taking something from fans, from long-term fans, mm-hmm. and then giving it back. Yeah. And so whenever you do that, like, you get... So what my point is to say, yeah, sure. Convergence is a bomb. Sure. New 52 was not a bomb. No, New 52 no, no, was very yeah. successful. Yeah. And so what they got is their cake and eat it, too. They got to change everything, yeah. put out New 52, make mad money off of it, piss off a lot of people mm-hmm. and then come back with rebirth and then benefit from all the new fans new 52 run in like me right um and 
and also pull back the people that they lost before yeah. with the with the with the with the pre flashpoint. Right, right, right. And then it's just like boom, we we're back to basics. Right, even right. though that new fifty two thing was kind of hot. You know, it, it's interesting. We'll see how that's something that's going to play out over the next few months. Sure, and, sure. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the quality of the books. That's Absolutely, and I, th- and I mean, I think the quality is outstanding. I mean, <clears> yeah, so yeah, I've heard. Right. You know, yeah. uh, but so it's so, also it's that move from the DCU idea. They yeah. don't have you don't have to write DC YOU on it to make it a book that's a DC <laughs> getting like more like relatable characters right. books. Right. Hopefully, flat, uh, Rebirth is that. It's more relatable. Oh, I think it is. But also really good stories, and it doesn't have to say YOU in the title to right. do that. Anyway, right. I, agree. I digress. So, uh, but Suicide Squad. So, pretty much two or three days. I think it was on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, something like that. A list of purported, this is what was deleted, this is where it would have gone, this is what the cut of the movie originally was, came out. Mm. God knows who this dude is. <laughs> along with a summary of all the... Noted chain differences with the official novelization, which I saw at Target, and it was like seven bucks, and I was very tempted to. Pick yeah, it up. I, might I really kind of want to read it. Um, but the biggest takeaways are, yeah, there was a lot more Killer Croc stuff from the sound of it, uh, which okay. we didn't see a lot of in the trailers. But there was scenes of him in his cell, uh, vomiting up a goat and eating it again. Cool. Uh, There's more stuff on the helicopter. There was a lot more of Captain Boomerang being rapey, which I don't. <laughs> I don't know that I entirely miss. He was being kind of rapey and racist towards Katana, which is one of those dual things where it's like, well, that kind of makes it sound like Katana was just there to get racisted at, which is sort of problematic. But whatever. That's one of the differences. But the biggest arguable change is the Joker's presence in the movie and how his relationship with Harley Quinn was originally portrayed. Um, yeah. And I and I see... What I see here is... The novelization is good evidence. What I what I almost th- thought when I first read this list that you handed me was, wow, this is really this ring. There's the ring of truth, but it also is the kind of thing that, like, if I took the three source materials, the film, actually four source materials, the film, all the discussion of the film online leading up to its release, the footage we've seen before release, so trailers, set photos. Footage that people took, like on the street when they were filming, mm-hmm. knowledge of how the movie was filmed, all of that, and then number four, the novelization. Take all four of those source pieces together, and you could write this list without any inside knowledge. That was what I meant when I said this list sounds suspicious. Not that just sounds suspicious that this guy has any kind yeah. of inside knowledge. What I sure. think is it's just him being very clever and collating data, and it makes a really good case. Yeah. It's entirely possible. That seems like a Big, big endeavor to take over when the movie's just come out and the book is, like, still not yet released. So it's like... It wasn't? I think it came out... If It it, it was either just released, like, because usually well, they come out right read, after. Because if you read the article, it said, I haven't gotten further yet, as if he had just started reading it. Remember that? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, it's just... That was just my, that was my first response, was this sounds suspiciously like somebody uh, connecting the dots rather than an inside source... But that does not discount yeah, that yeah. this sounds very authentic. At the right. very least, there are things from the trailers that, you know, yeah. are clearly huge missing chunks that do corroborate. I, and as it's arguable it's different. It's arguable now this is true. Warner Brothers is probably never going to come out and say God, it. No. Because that's not what they do. But what is really compelling is, like, like little decisions with this guy made. He may have guessed it. He may have had an inside source. I'll leave it at who knows. But what's really compelling is how... He definitely understands film really well in editing. Because he made certain cases like this one. Um, how different would you interpret the Harley Quinn scene in the helicopter of at, in one cut uh, 
there's going to be a bomb coming up to the to the uh, helicopter, um, and uh, Joker wants to save Harley, so he pushes her out to save her life. Which is or what an- we get, right? Which is what movie. we get. Or another cut, which is uh, Joker's like "fuck you," Harley pushes her out and says, "ha ha 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 ha," and then the bomb comes. You've got a completely different character in one cut, and that's what a lot of the changes go to and speak to in terms of. Earlier scenes, how he treats her, that's, that her chasing him down to catch up is something she has to do as opposed to just being in the car with him. Right, which is which is crazy. Right, exactly. It's her, her chasing after him, him not really liking her or caring about her. Right. And, then, and that, to me, was the biggest omission. I know there was the, the bar scene changes and other little things that changed. But to me, I remember when Suicide Squad was first being announced and everyone was excited about the Joker, Jared Leto's look and all that. There were those set photos. And I, and I just, they, they grabbed my attention. And it was Joker... And you could see it was really cool because he was wearing like a purple coat, and you could see his like chest hats under it. So it was like I remember it vividly. It just sunk in my brain because I was like so like I don't know like surprised, appalled, couldn't look away. Look at these photos. That's why I remember them so well. Right, right. And it was him like fuck you, Harley. What you doing here, biatch? You know, kind of idea. And she's up there like I'm gonna get you, Joker, and kind of like the antagonistic sort of love hate, the kind of thing where you might find like a. Like like one of those couples that that fights and then has sex to make up kind of thing, and like he's not really like like very much more true to what those characters are like in the comics, you know, where they're they love each other and it's this passionate love, but at the same time, like Joker really doesn't love anybody, you know, and yeah. and and that kind of concept, and so and it seems like that scene would have been great at demonstrating that, and that scene is gone, and then you also have other things. Um, which th- this list made me think about things that are in the movie where it's like it doesn't track with the narrative they tra- they build over right. the course of the movie because mm-hmm. you do have that thing where it's like the scene where the car crashes into the water and if the Joker loves her so much he just completely abandons her in that scene right to, to Batman it, exactly it makes no sense why I'm saying there's almost enough evidence in all of these places for you to put this case together you know because think about that that is ridiculous and then she does the thing where like you know he's resuscitating her and she kisses him and, and it was almost a revenge for something I, I forget the point it was I for, yeah it was it was when resuscitating but I forget exactly yeah there was some like different point but it. It's just very clear that there are things missing that, 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 would, that would fill in the continuity of this film. The biggest thing, and whether you believe this report or not, it is something that is dead center in the trailers that, that people have noticed, is the scene of the Joker with his face half burned off, more than likely from the helicopter crash. That is allegedly from an original cut of the film where he shows up during the Enchantress fight and, like, bugs them i don't really somehow I, yeah. somehow appears right he, somehow before i mean because it is out of nowhere there's a lot of things that are like almost uh, you almost could call them like continuity fuck-ups one that i mentioned i know that you guys didn't think it was as bad but to me maybe maybe you've changed your mind i don't know was waller showing up completely dry after being in like a womb, yeah, that was, a yeah, womb yeah. of gel i was just jokingly saying nah it's magic gel oh okay. it's all gone okay, okay cool. but yeah it's one of those things. i mean it's a continuity thing there very well may have been because the right. movie's like a, 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 a sort of like a cuts and aborted cuts and and just just a sort of a melange of of of, of decisions to try to change the way things go yeah. so that was one example and you could easily see like that that there very well could have been Joker cuz like when Joker shows up at the very end it's like what? He looks perfect. He doesn't look scathed at all. He's just like, "Hey guys." It's like, "What happened?" I bet you the original cut explained what happened. So the, yeah, and what what it alleges is that in the original cut he shows up, he threatens them, he tries to get Harley to leave with him and assumedly given that he pushed her out of a helicopter to kill her, she decides not to. They fight. He gets chased off or something. Right. Um and so, to me, it's like that original cut 
however it existed, if it was in this form, or at the very least seems like it was leaning more that way, is more the original relationship in the comics. Right. And paints them as the actual abusive couple that they are. And, you know, on the one hand, this seems like... like I'm of so many minds about it, because you have that. You have Ayer coming out and saying... Because uh, there was an interview he did. I forget who it was with exactly. I think Collider or IGN. There's been a lot of Collider talk on this yeah. movie. But he said, no, 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 no. The the scene of, of Joker breaking Harley out of prison, we had that from day one. Because to me, that's, that, that scene very much was like, okay, if all of these edits are true, that's something they had to reshoot. Because the, the, the thought of her like completely rejecting him at the end of the movie, right, that's right. a character arc of her just being like, no, I'm done with the Joker. But then for him to just show up would be weird. And so now I'm thinking, so he was always just going to show up at the end and save her? And, like, so I'm just, I'm curious how much he compromised. And it just sounds like he really did either is towing the company line by well, we making those changes or saying what he needs to say. No, I don't think he lied about that. I think they probably did film that. But here's the thing we have to remember. They filmed a hundred options. That's true. On everything. So but the way he said this made it sound like, no, no, no. This was always the ending. Okay, and that's 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 fine. I mean, yeah. it's very possible that it was always the ending, but you, just like as proved by the helicopter scene we just talked about, you can creatively cut that ending ten different ways. You could have a scene where Harley's like, I ain't going anywhere with you, Mr. J, you know, or something like that. I mean, there's ten different ways that could play out, and then he just grabs her and says, you're coming with me, or something like that. I mean, I could see that happening. I mean, there's so many options. Yeah. The, oh. way it ta- the way people are talking about this movie and people behind the scenes, and especially Jared Leto, I know you don't love what he's been saying but you know he is saying like there is there's five movies worth of footage that I think he shown. might be exaggerating a little sure, there sure, probably sure. just saying I don't know there's a guy who's yeah more generally however legitimate these are however legitimate what comes out of David Ayer's mouth at this point is I'm I'm I've definitely cool like I, I don't know what the balance is and I'll be honest when I say this because again Josh Trank flame bombed his career by trying to stick up for his classic cut right. maybe he did it way too hard and that that is arguable that he definitely stuck yeah. up for it way too hard he could have just been like you know this isn't the movie I set out to make um, we tried to do the best we could and we're he really proud had, of it right? he could have had a reasoned response now tweeting on the nightmare this isn't the movie yeah, yeah, you know, here's what he even too said childish he about said it. it even worse he yeah. goes I remember it very well he said. Uh, it's a real shame that there's a brilliant version of this movie yeah, that yeah, you'll yeah, never yeah, see. Yeah. Was, now, yeah. yeah, again, that's a Damn. little... That is a little Damn. hyperbolic. And, and also the brilliant part, like, yeah. it's really cocky. Yeah, that like, was for there. you to determine if it's brilliant, like, I don't write shit and say, man, my writing's brilliant. Right, right, I right. say, I hope it has potential. Right. You know? <laughs> you know, you just don't. Yeah. But now I'm like, I don't know if David Ayer is as much, you know, working with them or how much of a shill he was or how much he just was like a puppet. It's, it's. I think for very that, clearly, it's a combination. I, very clearly, it's. I mean, he says it. He's. If you read between the lines, a lot of these interviews he gives, he very clearly is saying like, "This is a huge movie with a million moving parts, where we had to fit into different continuities at different times. Here are the things we always knew were true. Here are the things we could move around. And this is my version of the film. I mean, that's what he's sort of sticking to. And I think all these different little alterations of that main theme are kind of irrelevant. That's what he's I saying. Know, I. It hurts my opinion of him as a filmmaker, and really, that I think what? that just he. See, it, it, I don't think he has a vision anymore. I don't know what he wanted. I don't even know that he He's knew what not. he wanted this movie to be. I think this is a film that shows. You know, we're always people always like to talk about it for the past few years about the Marvel movie making machine and how right, it crushes right. individual voices. But I honestly think that hasn't bared out on Marvel. Marvel has, for the most part, yes, they have a house style and they have a general format, but they've let creators get away with a lot. Sure. I don't think. 
WB knows what to do, and so they've got everything so tightly leashed mm-hmm. that but you have creators how that, that reflects on air. He doesn't have. There's no. He's not allowed. There's no united vision for this film. He's not allowed to have one. Exactly. He had his, but that doesn't take my credibility of him as a filmmaker away. Because, he, like you said, where's the happy medium? I mean, he. What can he say? You know, what what can he say? He's just so doggedly defending this as if this is always what he wanted to do, and I just don't believe that anymore because it's such a mess. There's no. There's so many. There's so much. But I mean, put yourself in that situation. Where no, that's like, what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm, I'm. It's like I don't say. I don't, I'm I not like, saying you don't go full Josh Trank. I don't yeah. think you should ever do that. Right. But it seems like he's going the other way of being so sycophantically towing the company's the line of what he's supposed to say. We don't know. We don't. No, no. Here's what we don't know. I was going to say. You're right. We don't know the whole details, but we also don't know what his contract states. Sure. And there is really... That's there's a you got to be really careful stuff. what you There's a lot of stuff in there about yeah, like your contract and also like being dead in this town. And then also we're living in a... Uh, there's a pre-Josh Trank world and there's a post-Josh Trank world. We're in the post-Josh yeah, Trank are, world. And when you watch a guy's career combust, yeah. like, you're going to be damn careful you don't make the same mistakes. I mean, it, it, I, I totally get your point. I get what you're saying completely. But, I, but I, it, it makes me... That I don't think any less of him. Because, I don't think any less of air. Yeah. It does It does take my opinion down even further of the creative process that went behind this whole film. Right. And that's more what I, I want us to get at. I'm just you. more overall down on the movie now, because it seems like it's this compromised... Mess. I think you knew that. I did, but it, it just all this stuff coming out about it. It's yeah. like there's so much. It's like you know. It's almost like roaches, right? Right. For every one you see, right. There's a hundred you don't. Right. Love that expression. Um, and this movie has already had like several. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So there's several hundred, and I'm sure there were several hundred times when when they were like air. Sorry, man. We're gonna just have to overrule you. Right. This. I can just imagine there were hundreds of instances like that, and and you know what? That's why I thought it was so compelling when I saw his tweet where he's like. He's 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 a little defeated. He's like ten percent defeated and ninety percent just hopeful. And he in that one yeah. tweet, he's just like, "Thank you, thank you, thank you." I was really worried that everyone was going to hate this movie. Basically, was what I saw. I mean, he said thank you three times. I mean, the, the idea being like, I really was worried that they in parentheses, I was really worried that they neutered the fuck out of this movie to the extent that nobody would ca- like yeah. it at all. Yeah, you know, and then that you take the parentheses part out, and then you just leave. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's just a fun Hollywood flick. Thank you for enjoying. I mean, you know, I think he's that's his way of saying. As Maybe much as it he is can. again. It's tough. Yeah. You're right. I shouldn't entirely come down on him, but at the same time, do I? I'm, I'm, I'd be less excited to see a sequel for him. But at the same time, if there's those restrictions, does it even matter who directs it? Right, and it, I mean, as, but then with this, when you start adding things together, this open letter. Three strikes and you're really out, you know, from the critics. Um, stockholders are going to start, you know, opening their mouth and saying, you need to make some changes here. You know, a lot of things are going to start to happen once these lines, you know, two points make a line, three points make a triangle, and, and, and four points would be even worse. You know, it's it's just, it's getting, the things are starting to add up to the point where something is going to have to change. I mean, also, though, Jeff Johns is now fully involved, where he wasn't fully involved before. True, but we're not going to see... Div- that's yeah. not going to pay a dividend right. until 2018, and God knows... You're right. ...how... how They could stop process on these movies at any point. That That's still an option. Not Justice League and Wonder Woman, but they could just be like... Aquaman's already in filming, isn't it? I don't think so. They oh, should, okay. like, just wrap Justice League, so oh, that'd be okay. a pretty quick turnaround for Momoa. Okay. But maybe... Momoa... <laughs> Momoa. People um, love some Momoa. But that was some more Suicide Squad news. 
it might come up again. There, there's still stuff coming out about it. So we'll I, re- I want to read that novelization now. I mean, I just think it's really interesting. And there was also like a lot more like to, to hubbub about the scene before, like the the, the 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 vat. Like the idea was in the original that the Joker was using this vat of acid to like get rid of Harley. Whereas in the movie, it's like, I want you to turn into me so we can be right. lovers forever. I right. mean, that's the implication. Yeah. And so and that's that, very different. And, and one last point, because that was one thing. Just flipping through the novelization, I got to a scene where it's like, Deadshot calling out the Joker is super abusive and terrible. Not like in those exact terms, yeah. but it's very okay. much a scene yeah. of him being like, why are you with him? And she's like, defensive about it. But it's like, that's very much more on the... But there is a scene that looks like the second half of that conversation, where she says, have you ever loved somebody? She just doesn't say the abusive part. But you know what I mean? Like, you could easily see that yeah. being the corollary of, like, I, I, I know, I hear what you're saying, but do you know what love is? I love him. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see that being, like, two parts of a whole. We only got the, the, the wishy-washy half. Yeah. But no, I mean, I think part of it, what you have to think of is, too, that, you know, this, this, per, this friend of mine who loved this movie and loves the Joker and Harley relationship uh, and the Bonnie and Clyde of it all, that person really, really wants to see the Joker and Harley movie, you know, of the two of them, like, being bad together. With, like, Tommy Guns and Robin Banks and who knows what. But, you know, I just... that I know that that person's super excited about a Joker and Harley movie. And I know that it is the kind of thing that I feel like, seeing that movie, that that was what they were trying to set up. And that's why they neutered those scenes to make Harley and Joker's relationship not be problematic in that way. Because think about it. What all those decisions were made in an effort to make their relationship romantic, not antagonistic and, and dangerous. It's still a dangerous relationship, though. I mean, yeah. even if they aren't overt with it. I don't know. Anyway, that's going to be interesting squad. to see where it goes. Yeah, if it... I, I don't know. I'm not even going to say ideally. At this point, if they killed it, I'd be okay with it. I, I don't know that they can start that over. The cast, though, man. The cast is so good. I know you don't like Leto, but the rest of the cast is yeah. so good. Yeah. And I love Leto. Anyway. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not a good... Bad... bad. They, it's not a bad cast across any... Is it Leto movies. news time? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we do have that one last bit on Leto's Joker. I have not heard this. So yeah, so, so this is good. Have you heard this? I saw the headline. I haven't yeah. looked at it yet. So here's the deal. Um, David Ayer has come out to explain Joker's look a little further. And he has explained why the Joker has a grill and why it says damaged on his head. And the story is, I should really pull up the quote, but it was, it was I'll make it quick. Um, it was that after uh, the Joker killed Jason Todd... Uh, Joker was confirmed. It's confirmed. Joker killed Jason Todd. Mm. After he killed Jason Todd, Batman knocked his front teeth out with his fist, and the Joker went to jail. Uh, with and his whole face was just like wrecked by mm. by Batman punching him and beating the, the shit out of him. Um, he goes into jail, and he gets the tattoo damaged on his face as sort of like a fuck you to Batman. Like you've damaged me now. You've wrecked my <laughs> face. And then he puts in a grill to fix his fucked up teeth. <laughs> That's what David Ayer's saying. It makes sense. I don't know. I mean... Okay. That's what he's saying. It's ridiculous. I just saying. It's ridiculous, but it, I mean... It's yeah. why he, it, Batman damaged his face. I mean, hey, they... just like, I'm damaged now, and I'm coming for you. I mean, hey, in New 52, they took Joker's face off, so, I mean, you know... Oh, that, that was cool. That it was, was really cool until yeah. they didn't pay it off. It was really awesome until, like, they just dropped it. Yeah. They were like, yeah. So in it, it was just such a weird mistake. It was like, in one of in three of the books, he is, like, normal Joker. In one of the books, they rip his face off, and then it's just, like, his face is off. And then, like, you see it plast- put back on, which is cool and all. But, like, it was in different books. It wasn't, it was just so incoherent. That's a, that, that goes more to the root of the New 52's mini editorial problems in its first yeah. few years. Yeah, so. it was really yeah. incoherent. And then, like, it was never paid, paid off right. Sure. Okay. All right, so that's Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving to TV, where DC knows what they're doing. 
Uh, Isn't that weird? No, our TV's legitimate. Berlanti, what? He knows what he's doing. That's what's key, dude. It's that authorial vision, man. Well, you know, I have to say, like, when I stood back when Arrow premiered all that, I didn't really think much of it then, and I was like, oh, this isn't going to last and all that. And here we are, I mean, and I'm a huge fan. It's a freaking, it's a, it's a, it's it's huge. They started with, I mean, limited resources, low budget, and it's amazing how far they've come, and they've made this whole universe really coherent and made some great shows out of it. Yeah, Arrow's going into its fifth season, and, uh... Seasons three and four were awesome, and, uh... I like season four, all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Anyway, but we got some new news from a few different shows in the universe. Um, first up, a new show. They announced the Re- Freedom Fighters The Ray as a new animated series with the same goal as Vixen to have an animated, like, short season, and then the character, same actor to jump to live action to play The Ray. What are they getting at of this weird shit that they do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just What's it's something the they have CW seed and they want content for it. Yeah, right. that's it's the only explanation. For yeah, this weird shit. Fixin's not bad. I mean, it's a twenty-five minute brief season. adventure season. Yeah. I mean, oh, they're five-minute episodes. I mean, it's it's like when you build a large cinematic universe, you have little spin-offs and it's, extra content. It's just extra. It's content. like the one shots from Vixen. Marvel. Yeah, Fixin's pretty solid, right. and she made a great transition to uh, Arrow this past season. I like all that right. episode. All right. I mean, it's like, and, yeah. all right. and I haven't seen it. True, stay corrected. And now she's going to be a main member of the Legends of Tomorrow. Right. Different version right, of Fixin, right. but all right. No, I'm a, I mean, it's just side content. Doesn't hurt anything. What about the Ray? I know nothing I about know, this character. I know nothing about it. I didn't even know this yeah. was a DC yeah. character, to be honest. So they're probably Palmer, doing what they want. I will say this: I don't think this is in your news. Are you going to talk about Powerless at all, or whatever it is? No, but we can we can add that. Well, no, I was just going to say I saw like you know that's moving forward full steam ahead, and I saw like a little pic of um, what's Daniel Daniel Danny Pudi, mm-hmm. like, and I was just, and I just for some reason it never clicked before that he's in that show, but I was like, <laughs> holy shit, that's going to be awesome. I'm hopeful. That I mean, a Marvel. That saw- the full pilot seemed to like it at uh, San Diego. I mean, so. what a cool idea to have. I mean, I mean just to have Dan, Danny Pudi in it because, like, if you're going to talk about like trying to make Marvel like into the comedy zone, like he's perfect yeah. for that. Like for that meta shift, he's like, I hope they do it right. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that show won't be premiering till mid season. I'm sure we can. We'll have plenty to say when it does. Mm. Uh, so yeah, the Ray animated series. Um, the they announced a a musical crossover for Supergirl and the Flash next. Spring, it sounds like. Right. Is it official? It's Whedon. No, but no, it's that's ru- the rumor. It's rumored that he'll direct an episode, and I mean that would be perfect because I mean Doctor Horrible, right? right. You know. um, Good point. To me, this seems like again they haven't officially announced what the exact threat is for the big crossover this fall. Um, I'm I I would be. I would not be surprised if they just find a way to fuse the universes and just bring Supergirl in officially. Yeah, sure. Uh, it just seems like a move now that they're all on the same network. They're going to be crossing over uh, significantly a couple times with sure. multi-part episodes. Sure. You might as well just have them in the same universe. I agree. Um, and some sort of crisis level event. I would not be surprised if it's just like an infinite crisis or crisis on infinite yeah. earth type of four-part episode. Um, you can do a lot. That's that's three hours of content for one story. You can do a lot in that time. Especially because Flashpoint's coming before that, and that could be kind of a precursor. Yeah. Uh, we also found out that there will be a full two-part Gorilla City yes. versus Gorilla Grodd adventure. Yes. Which I mentioned. Which they teased last season, and I'm like, I'm so They so did, yeah. I, you were going crazy when Gorilla Grodd showed up in season one of Flash. I love Gorilla Grodd. You were He's freaking a fantastic out. Villain. Yeah, and I think they're doing it right. He only shows up like once a year so far. Yeah. 
but it lets them take the time to build the assets out and do more because this is the sort of thing where they have a limited budget. But if every year they go, all right, here's our Gorilla Grodd budget for this year. Here's our Gorilla Grodd budget for this year. You remember the King Shark episode? Oh my god! Yeah, they did such great stuff. That that was my huge geek out because we had already seen Grodd in the previous season and saw all that. But like when they pulled King Shark out of there, I was like, what? Yeah, did it look awesome? Yeah. Oh, it looked amazing. Didn't look Bobo. No, No, it looked really good. And and so they've they've been building on this for for now. This will be the third season. If they'd been wise about it, they could have just been like, all right, we're going to slowly build up the assets and the funding we need to make the best possible TV exactly. version of Gorilla Grodd. It's like, this is an episode we can only do once every three years, but maybe it'll be an, a, an amazing two-parter. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Dolph Lundgren was announced for the flashbacks on Arrow this season. Oh, okay. yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All will, right. He will be the Russian like fight cl- underground fight club, which I'm just all like... Right. Right. I know I've joked on here before about the flashbacks on Arrow feeling like a direct-to-DVD movie, and now this just makes kind it of, literal. Because yeah. Dolph Lundgren's <laughs> Dolph Lundgren's an awesome dude. He, right. he, I watched recently. I saw a TED talk starring him, and oh, he, really? yeah, he. Um, what happened to him is he was like very abused as a child by his father, um, and he has since like you know he he, he had big, bad drinking and alcohol problems like every mm-hmm. '80s star, and then at a certain point, like he finally. Pretty, pretty recently wised up, fixed his life, cleaned up, and now, like, he's dedicated to a cause of, like, uh, he's, like, this big charity that's helping, you know, kids who are in abusive households, how to, like, get them to get past it, lose the anger, and, and, and not make the same mistakes that he did and all that kind of stuff. He's, like, a really solid dude. No, Dolph he Lundgren's is. I don't awesome. want to make it sound like I'm, I'm making fun of Dolph Lundgren, because mm. I'm not. I enjoy watching. But again, he's in a lot of direct TV, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, direct well, DVD films. No, I just yeah. want to give Dolph some cred, because oh, whenever him. I hear Dolph Lundgren's name, I just think... <laughs> no, I think you know? he's more legitimate than, you know, his reputation for, like, Ivan Drago and right, The Punisher. Right. Um, he, was in the, he was in the running for Deadpool, but now, I don't know if you saw, but... Apparently, Kyle Chandler is... The Kyle the Chandler is the, apparently the frontrunner to play Cable right now. Um, is he the Friday Night Lights guy? Yeah. I love him. I mean, he's a great actor. I don't see him as Cable. I don't know if uh, I see him yeah. as Cable he's either. He's just buff. When, we, when we have Dolph Lundgren and Ron Perlman, who have out blatantly said they want to play Cable. I'm um, done with Ron Perlman. I don't want to see him. <laughs> so I'm just done with the dude. I don't like his face. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. It's just one of those things. Like looking at him is not pleasant for me. I mean, it's just it's just too bad. There's nothing wrong with him. He's not. A, well, he's kind of a bad looking dude, but I just don't like him. I don't know. It's not I even hear. his face. It's just something about Ron Perlman. I'm a big Ron Perlman fan, so we. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what do you like him in? What's really good that I should watch? Maybe oh boy, like I mean, I, I think I've said this before, but I really like the old Beauty and the Beast with him and Linda Hamilton. I think. Uh, I mean, I think it's like really good. I mean, Pacific Rim. I mean, there's a lot. I should check out that old Beauty and the Beast just for fun. Um, No, I mean, as Hellboy, sure, dude. Because I don't have to. Anyway, all right. Uh, Final, last thing for the Arrowverse stuff. Too honest. Well, there's honestly so much to say. Supergirl has Mon El coming, and there was one other character confirmed that I'm now blanking on. There's too much news to keep up with. With uh, was it like something with Martian Manhunter? Yeah, no, Miss Martian. Miss Miss Martian Martian is coming, so that's awesome. Uh, And then finally, Flash's main one of the main villains was Doctor Alchemy. The other main villain, the speedster villain, is Savitar, okay. who is a Ooh, lesser like known speedster. I like that name. It's like the Indian god or the the Hindu okay. god of speed or something like Ooh. that. I okay. forget exactly. Oh. So that. I apologize culturally. Uh, but he, in the comics, I love the name like, Savitar. Huh? See, it was Savitar. Savitar. S A V I T A R. Oh. Um, but 
in the comics, he's known for having like a, a cult of the Speed Force, which could be an interesting angle to take yeah. things. Yeah, um, but we'll it. see there. I'm with it. So a lot of good things. Like the CW is up to the point where they just. They're touching, like, every corner of the DC universe, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very much so. What, I saw an article somewhere, it was like, Legends of Tomorrow is, is planning on fixing themselves. themselves. What is that about? I don't know, better villain, new cast members. It's, You've read it. More yeah, defying time travel, probably. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, I guess, meanwhile, Gotham is artificially aging characters oh, to God. tell different... <laughs> I can't <laughs> even believe stories. They literally have Poison Ivy aged up to be hot now. So she's like this banging girl with a low-cut top. No, there's one of the escapees from Indian Hill can steal people's ears, but he only took a little from her, so she's only like I'm amazed you watch it. I don't, I don't get it. No, no, she's yeah. like, no, she's like 30 or 25. I mean, she's like super... No, she's an older teenager. She's like... I, she is a teen character. I'm amazed that it's still no, running... about her older form. Yes. I am just... She's a teen character. She's like, I think, 17 or 18. Oh, okay. Not, and then she was a little girl. She was like, yeah, 10, 11 before. Oh, yeah. Well, I am beyond yeah. amazed that Gotham is still running and that you watch it. And it has huge... <laughs> huge no, I mean, that show it show has better numbers than The Flash and shit, doesn't it? Well, yeah, because it's on Fox, right. not the CW. Right, but it has great numbers. People love it. It's really dumb. I don't, it's not horrendous. Gonna no, I know you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. You still watch it, though. I can't yeah. believe that that's Bruno Heller's new show. The Mentalist was so smart. I just don't get it. I don't get it. He doesn't get bad. I don't know what he... I don't... Anyway, so that's all the TV. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any other DC shows I'm forgetting. God knows there's enough of them that I probably could. But uh, now we're going to go into what we've been reading. Awesome. Which is always fun. Sure. Uh, why don't we let Kevin start? Yeah, Kevin, cool. take, us, take us away. Okay, so recently I read. I got to read the first volume of Jupiter's Legacy the other day, which is Mark Millar and Frank Whitley's... Um, Superior comic from it was a few years ago, and now they're in the second volume right now. Um, so I really enjoyed it. It's um, I was telling Rich and Jordan before. It's sort of like Malari's last kind of big deconstructionist book, and for more mature readers, because now he's doing more family friendly <laughs> stuff. Like he did Starlight, and he's writing Huck and Empress now. This one is grittier. It's sort of there's nothing terribly original in it. It's a lot of why, what. What is it? What is the theme that he's the, being it's instructed? about? Their um, it, the main characters are the children of these classic superheroes, and it's about how they, um, what it's like growing their lives growing up in the to shadow, in the of, shadow of their parents. Okay. And one of them goes bad. One of them um, turns good. And, and um, and sounds the, the great. Bad. No, I really. I mean, I had a blast reading it. Um, it was. I mean. Um, it reads really well as a graphic novel because when it was first released, it took like a year to get the whole first arc out, and the whole the first arc is only five issues. Okay. Um, but Frank Whitley is one of those artists who his the detail in his work is just so meticulous that it takes him a while to really get going at the end, really get everything out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand why he can't, you know, he can only put out so many books right. you know, at once. Um, but I mean, it's, it was a really entertaining read. Um, I like, the, you know, um, there's some characters that it develops better than others, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of Watchmen, a lot of Incredibles, Fantastic Four, just the, it, it's his own version of the idea of the superhero family. And, um, I think it's reads very entertaining and they have a lot of fun with it. Um, right. so I especially recommend it for the art. Nice. Um, so that was really good. I read, uh... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are we going to just do... Oh, we do one at a time. Yeah, we're going to just each do, like, three, right? Yeah, just so, roll around. Sure. Go ahead. 
I'll say though, I'm not. A, I I do not like quietly at all. Okay, I, really. Okay, he, he, not All Star Superman. Really, really. Yeah, I haven't read that. In fairness, it's okay, one of my to be read say. things. But like, because anytime he draws superheroes like that, it's stellar. Like, I don't. Know, I just beautiful. feel like. Yeah. I, I just feel like all his people are made of putty. That's what I like I just, the, the criticism I of. I like you're not the only one to voice Batman and Robin. But... The, the start of it was him, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It is. It is puttyish. It's got like a little bit of. I almost don't see it as putty as like he uses shapes, like little like dotted, yeah, yeah, dotted yeah, yeah, shapes yeah, 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 yeah. to draw. Yeah. I just and I understand that's criticism, but I love it. Honestly. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. It is fair. Like especially I, when you talk about he's his doing first run on Batman and Robin, where there's literally like a putty villain. Yeah. 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 yeah, but I think it fits with, like, Professor Pig. I think that yeah. was a good move, because he should look, like, funky. But it's like, when he was doing the X-Men with Grant Morrison, and mm-hmm. everyone just looks so, like, disgusting. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Ugh. I but thought, in that's fairness... That's a bad fit. I don't know, though. That could also just be what Grant Morrison was going for, because they're mutants, and he's trying to make them look that way. But who knows? That's meta. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I've been I reading... giving them more credit than they deserve on that one. I don't know. It is Grant Morrison. That's he's... true. Grant Morrison does think... And then he thinks some more, and then he takes his work, rips it up, shreds it, throws it in the trash, and then thinks about that trash, and then he writes a new thing out of that new idea. Um, He's that kind of guy. And there was this band called Portishead, and they literally, like, their their second album was so hard to come out with, because their first album was called Dummy, and it was so brilliant. <laughs> so to make their second album, they made, like, five versions of it, right? And each one, they were like, no, nah, it's not quite good enough. They trashed it. And they took tiny little samples of the first five records on the final record. Like, so it's literally... I, anyway, go ahead. I think say what you want about Millar, but he puts out a lot of content, you know? Yeah. Uh, my first book is Amazing Spider-Man Worldwide. Okay. I read the first two volumes awesome. of this. Nice. Uh, and I'm really what enjoying it? it. It's just the new run. It's the, the all-new, all-different Marvel. Yeah, post-Secret yeah. Wars, Dan Slott run on the book. Oh, really? Yeah, he's still writing it. He's... he's I honestly... He might go till they, they fire him or he dies. Yeah, honestly. pretty much, yeah. Uh, but you know what? He's been doing good work, and he sets up a lot of things. The, the premise of this is, um, over the past, really since about halfway through Superior Spider-Man, starting with what Otto was doing in Peter's body, he started developing Parker Industries as, like, a, a new think tank, global, you know, Stark-level company. And this is that come to fruition where it is a global thing. They have offices in Shanghai, London, New York, San Francisco... And, and Spider-Man's become, like, an international superhero who works as Peter Parker's bodyguards and mm-hmm. works with S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, the main focus of these first 12 issues is the threat is it, of... So- it's got to be weekly, or every other week, or three times a month, or something, right? That's, I think, maybe... maybe I think it's 18 a year, like, every month and a half, or every yeah, three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Probably. Okay, only because I feel like it, it hasn't been long enough to have two trades already. Yeah, they didn't know. No, it's been out now. a year... And they're, I think, right. about issue 17. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're probably doing 18. They're still, I mean, the, the, their output, like, the, I mean, it's like, I mean, Darth Vader's finishing up, and, I mean, I thought about the 25 issues, and they started in February 2015, so. Yeah. It's uh, crazy. It's, yeah. Not as crazy as twice monthly, which is what DC's DC, been doing yeah. on some of their books. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. it's not much better. Uh, no, this has been really fun. I, I am of the mind, I know a lot of people haven't been thrilled with this, it's a very different context for Peter Parker. You know, he is a mogul now, and he's working with S.H.I.E.L.D., and he's fighting crime across the world. And does, he, again, but does he don the suit? Yeah, he's got it. He's got the Spider-Man suit. I think it's more like... Tacked out? It's, it's, it, I don't want to say... I don't know exactly what it is. It's like almost nanite, because it can like just appear when he mm-hmm. wants it to, and it can take on other forms. So they don't know exactly how it works. Um, but they probably described it, and I just missed it. But uh it's interesting again it's it's a global conspiracy it's him fighting zodiac which is like this uh 
premonition terrorist organization. So the whole and, the whole twelve issues have been around this one arc. Roughly, it was basically the first trade was all Zodiac, and the second trade had like a three issue Mister Negative story arc, and then the end of the Zodiac story arc. Cool. So it was interesting. It basically split it into two arcs and then had a, a Mr. Negative story. And I like Mr. Negative. Um, he's a good villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it introduced... It brought back Cloak and Dagger who have had their powers kind of whammied in Spider Island. Mm-hmm. And then it hadn't really been followed up on for about five, four or five yeah. years. Uh, so it was good to see some closure there. What's going on with Miles? Have you been reading that book too? I have not because it's not in trade yet. But... How does that work? So how does it work that... Like, okay, so my understanding was that with the new Marvel whatever continuity after mm-hmm. whatever Post it was. post Secret Wars. It was going to be Miles Morales is now the new Spider-Man main book. He's the Spider-Man of New York, yeah. But, but, but the main Spider-Man book. Right. Yeah, but it right. didn't launch till fi- February, and it's monthly. So, But that's weird. Why is that the main Spider-Man book when traditionally... No, this... What's the main Spider-Man? The, I'll tell you it's what amazing. it is. Here, okay, here's what it is. I'll, I'll I'll use the quotes. The New York fighting. I'll West use the quotes. The traditional is saying he's going to be the Spider-Man. Yeah. The main Spider-Man is what he yeah. was saying. That's what I mean. Well, and so I think the that's... main Spider-Man historically has had three issues a month. It was written by Dan Slott. I think it's it was... more his place in the universe because you got to remember he is an Avenger. He's in a lot of the events right. more heavily. Right. So. Yeah, his main title doesn't come out as much, but he is in all new, all different Avengers. He appears in the books of, like, the other team he's members. He's like Civil War to all these. Okay, you know, yeah. okay. So he's you the main Spider-Man oh, say, yeah. in everything. He's the main, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, like in Civil that War. Makes sense. In Civil War 2, you see Miles way more than Peter That Parker. makes sense. Yeah. That um, makes sense. I get that. Um, so, so how is the buzz on, like, what I'm asking you is, you remember you're saying that there's been mixed review or mixed response to this new. Yeah, it's a very different how, take. How are people dealing with that versus Miles versus what's the? I mean, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. Again, I, I read trades, so I don't. I haven't okay. tried to avoid spoilers. What is interesting to me uh, about this is it is a very different take. But you know, I'm reading Silk. I'm reading Spider Gwen. I'm reading Spider Woman. I'm gonna read Spider Man with adjective list when that comes out. What's that? Miles Morales. Oh, okay. Um, I get my fill of traditional Spider-type heroes. Spider-Gwen and Silk are very much mm. traditional Spider-Man-type stories. Spider-Woman has always kind of been her own thing, where she's been, like, pulled, like, been she forcibly was, she roped She was more an in. Avenger, yeah. No, she, yeah, she was very much... Her origin had nothing to do with Peter Parker. It was Hydra-related. She was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, she just sort of been roped in to be more involved in the Spider ongoing, and that's that's entirely fine. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm interested. I like... Slot is setting up a lot. Uh, he brought, like, the first four issues had, like, four different setups for future storylines. It was like, oh, here's Regent from uh, Renew Your Vows. Oh, here's uh, Norman Osborn. He's off doing stuff. Oh, here's some mysterious figure who's now been revealed to be the Jackal, starting up stuff for uh, Dead No More. Oh, here's, um, uh, here's, oh, Dr. Octopus's brain is still existing inside. What's of... Dead No More? It's the big spider event, the clone conspiracy this fall. It's the, this what is it? Uh, and basically, who's writing it? Slot. It's the Spider event for this year. Um, oh, and also so Slot is still the main Spider-Man writer. Yeah, he's still writing Peter Parker, and he's like the the and Peter Parker amazing. is still the main Spider character, really, in the Spider World. I mean, in in uh, yeah, in the Spider subsex subsection, he's still the main focus. But again, okay. in the larger Marvel universe, that makes sense. Miles now takes on a bigger role. Now I get Clash it. Clash is also showing up again. Yeah, yeah. Clash from the one point one issue. Yeah. I'll say this: I'm enjoying this run. A lot more so far than I was enjoying the post-Superior Spider-Man run. Like, I really liked Spider-Verse, 
but the other like yeah, four was, volumes worth it was eh. all right. Interesting. A uh, lot so, of them were kind of like just okay, almost like villain of the week kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think my, that was part of that might have been all right. Secret Wars is coming up, so I, I have long term plans. Maybe I need to punt this year and just do Spider Verse, and then like the rest of it is whatever till we get going. Because now again, he set up like four different big story arcs for the future that he could tell over the next couple of years. What's gonna death no more about that no more about? Uh, basically, in, in like a lot of the ending of the issues. Um, well, this mysterious figure you never saw his head. Was, he was in a red suit, so a lot of people were assuming Mephisto for the longest time because uh-huh. brand new day. Uh, but he was bring, going up to Spider-Man villains and showing them that they he had their family members and they were alive and he could give them back to them if they worked for him. And he's been slowly building up this army of Spider villains. Um, with the brand new with the free comic book day issue this year, it was revealed to be a new version of the Jackal, maybe the same version. Instead of, like, the green furry suit, it's a dude in a red suit with a Jackal mask, like ancient Egyptian Ooh. style. Um, and clones are obviously... It's probably somebody different under that mask. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. It, but the other Jackal's been around. Like The old Jackal's been there since uh, right. before the, the Island. Spider Island. He was right. part of that, so... Uh, who knows? That's the big event for this fall. They also are bringing... They're kind of doing that like new adventures of Lois and Clark thing of having Spider Man yeah. brand new day or renew your vows as another ongoing. So I don't know exactly what they're doing there yet. But, Ooh. Uh, I like the first two volumes of Worldwide. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see there's a lot of momentum in the universe again. So yeah. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. So Great. for me, I started Unfollow. Oh, hey, finally yeah. got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I got Unfollow and I started it. Um, I've read the first couple issues. I like it. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, the premise of this book, and I love these premises, like, uh-huh. I wanted the next Avengers Arena out of this book. Uh, I love a book about, like, Battle Royale is the, is the archetype, you know, that movie Battle Royale, yeah. right, that Japanese uh-huh. film. Um, I love the idea of pitting a bunch of people together in, like, a death match, but also giving each of them a lot of character. You know, I don't want to just watch people kill each other to kill each other, but I do like watching characters in tough situations and how that's revelatory about their personal character. I think that's fascinating. So that's what I'm hoping hoping this is this series turns out to be a lot of. Basically the concept is that there's this guy named Larry Farrell. He's basically um uh what's the guy's name from uh face Facebook uh Zuckerberg? Yeah, Mark he's Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. But at like age twenty four he realizes he has pancreatic cancer and he's gonna die. He's got eighteen billion dollars with nothing to do with it, and all these big ideas about the world. He's obviously pretty bitter and resentful. For whatever his reasons are, he's decided that he's going to allow one hundred and forty users of his site. I believe his site is called Headspace, so very close to Facebook. Um, and uh, he's decided that one hundred and forty of them. Uh, I think it's supposed to be a lottery, but I think it's going to be revealed that they're handpicked uh, for different reasons. And that um, number, of course, calls to Twitter. Right, that's actually 140 the characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 140 characters is the name of the arc, um, and there's 140 people, and they all get this message. It's like a new app appears on their phone, and it says 140. You click on it, and it's like d- dying Mark Zuckerberg saying, "Hi, you've been selected. You know, you've got 18 million dollars, uh, or, or no, no. There's 100. There's 18 billion split, and it's oh no, I know what it is. 120 million a piece. Okay. However, if so everybody's instantly rich, at least 140 people. However, if any of those people die, for whatever reason, you know, 
um, the their share goes split among the other 139. And then if another person dies, this, the whole 18 billion spread over 138, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So the idea is that it's a legal way of him setting up a death match, you know? And then he invites them all to his island uh, for, like, some, like, announcement or something. And so uh, I'm still pretty early on. It's a real slow starter. Um, it uh, has some uh, full frontal nudity, which is always nice. Um or not, yeah. um, but um, it's got some weird. So this book is very interesting in that what I was looking for was kind of like a traditional Avengers Arena type story. If you guys don't know Avengers Arena uh, in Listener Land, it's it's basically uh, they took a lot of the young characters in Avengers. It's like a young Avengers. Now what was this? It was book? Avengers Academy. Avengers Academy. Runaways. A lot of those characters. Like they took those and characters, then a bunch of originals, and then they had Arcade take them to a, an island and made them kill each other. And you know, different ones would die in different episodes issues. Then there was some that would come back, and it was just really it was actually really well done. It got it a lot brilliant. of hate right away. But it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. It's one of my favorite comic book series of all time, hands down. Probably top ten easily. Um, love, love, love that series. Love Dennis Hopeless, the writer behind it. He's writing Spider-Woman now. Really talented and guy. And all new X-Men. Really talented guy. He's getting um, his due with Marvel. Yeah, he really is, which is great, because he's, he's he just he really gets how to write young characters better than I think anyone uh-huh. in the business right now. Um, but anyway, this book is... It, it's 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 going a weird direction. Like, there's this Jesus-like character, and there's, like, God overtones and religious, you know, talk. One of the main girls is, like, popping drugs and jumping out of airplanes... And I don't, I don't know. So far, I haven't found a lot of likable characters. The other main character that I've seen so far is like r- robbing a, a cell phone store. So I mean, it's not very redeemable people. I guess that's the point. But I'm hoping that I don't know. It, it needs to move a little faster. I'm only the first couple issues in, but we'll that, see how it goes. I mean, it was interesting to me conceptually because I'm like, with that much money, what's really the motivation to kill someone for uh, you know more shares of it? Like a hundred? I know. Hundred? What? Twenty million? It that's seems a like that'd lot be enough. of money. It seems like that'd be enough. Plus, you could just invest it and make all hell of a lot more. Um, but I mean, it's interesting. It's 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 going to be interesting to see how they do it. There's right now so far, and obviously with a book with 140 characters, theoretically, you know, they're going to focus on a couple. I'm just not loving yet the ones they're focusing on. But I'm hoping that that changes. There's another. It's, I think it's seven issues. Uh, let's see. No, six. It's six issues. But that's a lot uh, for this to really develop. Um, by the way, uh, I was worried, and uh, issue nine is just coming out now, so it well, is got at least one more trade coming. Right, we got at least one more. This is the kind of book, though. This needs like six trades at least. It's just the way he's setting yeah. it up. And uh, by the way, reading this in issues would be ludicrous. I mean, if you look at the f- <laughs> even the first issue of this, it's just like what? It's over? What? I barely uh, nothing happened. You know, it's like very much a trade. So anyway, uh, so far an interesting read. We'll see. That is Vertigo, right? Yeah, oh. Vertigo go- does good for the trade. Yeah, uh, they do. Kevin. So, my second book is just came out a week and a half ago, first issue, um, from Oni Press. It's called Jeff Steinberg, Champion of Earth. Oh, awesome. Um, this one had my name written all over it. Um, I reviewed it for Ultimate this past week, and um, it is about... It's very Scott Where Pilgrim-esque. can they find that review if they want it? Um, on UltimateComics.com. Just so go right up there. It should be towards the top of the page. Awesome. Um, it is about... Uh, Who writes this, it? Uh, this is written by Joshua Hall, um, Fialkov, and awesome. then art by Tony Fleeks. Actually, both of them wrote it, and then Fleeks did the art. Um, so it's about a guy who works at a video store. Um, he's pretty eccentric. Um, his girlfriend is, I mean, o- openly cheats on him. And oh, really? He, I mean, well, I mean, like, no, I mean, like, he just has this, like, really just, like, mediocre life, but he wants something and all that. And, um, so he, you know, he's very, it's just kind of a Scott Pilgrim, really wacky character. 
um, and you know his roommates um, are always talking pop culture stuff. I like there's a scene where they're arguing about how to pronounce um, the sci-fi channel as it's not you know what used to be the sci-fi channel, uh, and so there's just it's this great comedic flow. Um, there's a scene at the end which is fantastic with it um, has Obama in it because basically it's so it's his guy this guy and he gets selected by these really B-movie idiotic aliens to be the champion of Earth and compete in this, like, um, I guess sort of an intergalactic Olympics contest. Uh, and so it's just, a, that just has my and my name written all over it. it it's yeah. absurd, it's wacky, it's fun. Sounds, um, I love the art. It looks phenomenal. It sounds yeah. like an episode of Rick and Morty. It, no, it's totally, <laughs> no. The artist um, did uh, My Little Pony. I mean, it's just got that all, you know, I mean, and so... It's very much like that. I mean, Rick and Morty, all that. Um, it's fun. It's, it's a far cry from My Little Pony. Yeah, just like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, one of, it's fun. It's, yeah, no, very Scott Pilgrim-esque. Um, you know, I mean, I could see, if this were ever a movie, I could totally see Edgar Wright doing it. Uh, and, yeah, I love the characters. The dialogue is, is, and the first issue... Oh, my God, look at this funny joke from the middle of it, just to give people a, yeah, a, a, yeah, yeah, a exactly, sense. Yeah, yeah, There's the alien character. He's talking about how they choose their champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes... We choose our champions, not for strength, nor wit, for those are misleading at best. No, instead we use the most powerful force in the universe, willpower. Not unlike in your excellent Green Lantern movie, featuring Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. I mean, it's just... And and he puts in some Obama jokes at the end, because Obama shows up at the end and... Um, and it doesn't feel forced at all. It makes it really fun. But and it's actually that first issue contains two chapters, hence the four ninety nine price tag. Smart. But this is one um, they should all do that. That's they the really thing. should because like I was saying this hundred forty characters. That's like the thing, if yeah. I read that one issue, I'd be like, yeah. this one I felt had a complete story in the first issue, and it had me excited for when the book comes out next month now too. I mean, it's it's one of those. It's going to read well as an episodic one. Um, it, it'll make a good trade too, uh, you know. But I encourage people to support this one. Now oh my god! Look what it says on the front from the writer of the bunker and the artist of Wait, My Little Pony. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's so whatever. self-deprecating. I love it. You know. I mean, all the pop culture references are there. So, I mean, if you love, I mean, if you love Scott Pilgrim, you love this kind of style. I definitely recommend going and picking it up. Oh um, man, it's it looks great! Of, I can't wait for the next issue. Um, yeah, it's just a great fun read. Awesome. Word. Uh. I just want to take a quick TV tangent here because it got me thinking about it. I've been, uh, sure. I don't know if, I, I haven't mentioned on here, I don't think, because we haven't had a TV episode in a while, but I've, I've, I've finished the second season of Rick and Morty recently because it came to Hulu. You yeah. can see both seasons there now. And I will say, uh, because I started watching the first season again because I had watched it a few months ago. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, if Especially now that I'm a fan of the show, if you've, if you've been held up and you've watched like the first couple... Uh, that, the first four episodes of Rick and Morty are not that good compared to what comes later. I'd say the show does not really get cooking until the fifth episode, Me Seeks Them Destroy. Uh, so if you've been held up, either either just push through or skip to that episode, and I think you'll see a lot more of what the show has become famous for. Uh, I think those first four episodes, even as a fan of the show, are still pretty weak. Uh, anyway, look, seeing this issue that Kevin has made me think of Rick and Morty, and I just wanted to mention Yeah, no, no. Okay. That's maybe oh, a little bit of a pointed thing at uh, our co-host Kelsey, who... Had that experience, the same experience I did with those first episodes. I didn't have a great experience with them either. Yeah, so I, I would... tried them out, and I was, and I love Community. Um, but for me, and especially like, but the other thing that's turning me off is you telling me how much like farting and burping is a part of the humor. It, it, well, it still kind of is, but but particularly like his tick of it really skews down, and I get that's good. I'm happy about that. Anyway, that's good. 
so the uh, another book I've been reading is um, Giant Days, which I am I'm very. Yeah, you got that trade, right? I got the second trade of Giant Days, and it is very much a slice of life set at a uh, college university uh, in in the UK. Slice of life comic, and each issue is its own adventure about these uh, three girls. Uh, who are at university with their friends and kind of learning the different experiences. And it, it's hard to talk a lot about this and make it sound exciting, but as far as... I'm a huge fan of Slice of what Life webcomics. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my favorites is Girls with Slingshots, which ended uh, just over a year ago now, and I was very sad. Uh, this is by this series is by John Allison, who has been doing Slice of Life kind of slightly mystical and have gotten weirder type of stories for over a decade and Giant Days is kind of a transition from a, a side story he'd been doing into full issues. Uh, and the first eight issues are out in trade. And it's just wonderfully written characters, super solid humor, a lot of fun situations. Uh, you can find a lot of his work online just to see his webcomics. They've been getting printed in collections from, I think, Image or Boom, or somebody's been printing them, they've been coming out. But uh, Giant Days, it's just really funny it's just surreal enough and like pushes things to the the crazy limits in a way that it's all still believable and relatable mm-hmm. uh it's got a little bit of a scott pilgrim feel at times which i appreciate not in the art but in sort of the sense of humor mm-hmm. um and i i reread the first volume right before getting the second sure. volume uh, i was originally planned as a six issue miniseries and then got bumped up to ongoing status uh the trick is it's a boom book and uh, much like with lumberjanes which has four ish, four trades out of up to 16 issues, but is already like approaching issue 30. It takes a while for boom trades to come out. This book's up to its 17th issue. Mm-hmm. I've only got the first eight. Um, so yeah. it's going to be a while before I get to read more of it. But whatever it's so far, I really enjoy. I think it's recommendable. Uh, so, sure. oh, giant days. Nice. Am I up again? Yes. All right. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. If you do not know... I am a huge fan of Nailbiter. Um, this book is absolutely phenomenal. If you haven't read it, it's just... I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It, you need to read it. Uh, first of all, Joshua Williamson has just become one of my favorite writers. I love what I've read of Birthright. I absolutely love... God, I'm, slip, I'm blanking on the name. What's the one you got me as a Haunted. Haunted. Love Haunted. No. Haunted. No. Ghosted. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haunted Heist. Haunted didn't sound first, right. Like yeah, that. yeah. Haunted Heist. Right. Ghosted is a great series. I've read the first two trades of that. His Flash run is one of the best in years. That's going on right now. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, he's just... he. You know, even when you meet him, like, he's just, like, this really cool dude. He's mm-hmm. just, like, the kind of guy you want to hang out with and, like, geek out about shit. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just... Uh, he just gets it. And this book, you know, he... So the premise, obviously, is that all these serial killers uh, are coming from one town. Um, Buckaroo, uh, uh, place. Buckaroo something. Uh, anyway, the Buckaroo, some kind of Oklahoma or something like that. And, um, Buckaroo, Kansas, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, one of those, one of those, uh, breadbasket places. But, um, all the serial killers are coming from there, and, like, some, there's some hints that it might have to do with bees, there's some hints that it might have to do with, like, ancient cults, there's some hints that maybe it's because a bunch of serial killer, like, like, occultists ended up there and, like, had kids, and that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of hints of what's going on, but as you go through the book, it just gets deeper and more layered and more interesting, and I have never seen, I'm in the fourth one now, and I have never really seen a book that does a better job at redeeming a serial killer, um, or at least making you, like, 
relate to or feel for a serial killer the way that this one does. It really it does this brilliant thing where it shows you like his vision. Now he's trying to be a good dude or a normal dude with like, the people that he cares about, and all of a sudden it flashes in his head like like this this red rage, which is also kind of a hint that maybe in the future you know moving forward that. It's something that just afflicts these people, you know what I mean, as opposed sure. to who they really are. Sure. Um, but, I mean, it's just – it uses the comic form in a brilliant way to tell just a classic story. It's equal parts horror and mystery. Um, actually, it says horror slash mystery right on the back. I mean, it's just – it's just such a good book. And I don't really like horror that much, but Nailbiter is just phenomenal. Um, there was an issue in issue in uh, in Trade Two, uh, starring um, Brian Michael Bendis, um, right. where he comes to town and like does his thing, and they actually like he goes and explores these caves, and it actually moves the plot forward. It wasn't just a one off. I mean, the book is just it's just solid gold, uh, and the color of this trade is gold as well. So that's some full circle for you. It's fourth trade. How many issues are um, they through in that now? This ends the twentieth issue. Uh, this takes you sixteen through twenty. There's another trade planned to come out this year, and then I. Th- think at least another one or one or two more it's getting there though it's yeah. winding out but okay. it's so well paced yeah. like you can feel that it's like coming up on a perfect climax sure. i mean it's just like if it ends at 30 that'd just be perfect you sure. know that's what and, you want yeah you don't want a book that feels like it's killing time like what my, i i don't get to talk about it a lot because i read it in the hardcovers but i love revival for that reason and it's in its final year now so that's it's going to be wrapping up with that's the good fourth hardcover so that would be the end I, probably yeah so that, eight trades total Makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's about a good. That's forty issues, right? But unless they're four issues, a little trades. more than that. I think they're like six issue trades. So okay. I think it'll end around issue forty eight. Is what they're planning. That makes a lot. That's of a sense. pretty solid run. I, I mean, is. let's yeah. face it. I don't know what's going on right now with Morning Glories, but like that book, like everyone knows it dragged. Everybody knows that book, like because he said hundred issues, like from the beginning, and like they're on like what, like seventy or sixty, or and he's just like treading water, man. So I don't know. I know they're having a lot of trouble with like the the the, the crazy size of that project and the fact that it doesn't sell in issues at all sure. everybody buys the trade of that so anyway it can be daunting this book is just perfect though it's learned it's just it's just like it's it's just a masterpiece of the comics form right of right. of of creator own poppy comics is is like as good as it gets like revival is you know mm-hmm. like it just gets it like really yeah. knows how to be a compelling page turner in the you know it's almost like you know like they talk about like a man's man or a or a baseball player's baseball player. He's like a comic writer's comic writer. He just like knows the form really well. And anyway, that's it. Cool. All right, Kevin. All right. Uh, one uh, more book from you. And I read the second trade of. Well, okay. Well, Reggie's holding up my Suicide Squad. Uh, How was it? I, I really enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah, it was pretty straightforward. This I mean, is the birth, the uh, yeah, it, rebirth Suicide Squad number one. Yeah, so yeah. it grabbed my attention. Yeah, I don't know if I'm loving the art from what I can see, but. It wasn't like blow out of your mind, but it was good. Okay. Um, Flash is still my favorite rebirth title right now. I mean, I, I'm, Williamson. I'm uh, he, he's nailing it. Um, but uh, one I want to talk about was the second trade of Miss Marvel, which awesome. I know Jordan's a huge fan. Like you know, so I'm up through volume um, five myself. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You wow. just did you get it? I did I get volume five. Year, yeah. 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 I'll get it soon. But um, yeah. No, I mean, there's not much to say that I love this one. I mean, I I know it's always been well received. Um, this one, I, this arc I really like because it looks at millennials and, um, sort of the stigma attached to that. And, um, this is where it breaks out her big nemesis and all that. And, um, it's just a really fun, really well-structured superhero story that you can pick up and you don't have to know everything going on in the Marvel universe right now. Um, and still follow it. It's just the story of this teenager and, um, you know, it, there's a lot of classic elements there and a lot of newer stuff and, 
it's just yeah I mean it's really fun and, um, and this one it was the one pairs off with Wolverine too yeah and, yeah so uh, I love Miss Marvel you, yeah yeah no I mean, do you have a favorite arc yet I mean I that's the I've only read the first two but uh, as far as arcs I actually really liked uh, the fifth volumes had a whole arc about gentrification uh, okay. which was really interesting nice um and uh yeah I, i've just overall i've enjoyed it there's a lot of moments that it it, it speaks to representation because again a lot of times we, we are just three white dudes but i am yeah. half palestinian mm-hmm. so i'm middle yeah. eastern by descent yeah and you know was raised muslim so seeing some of the things she goes through actually does speak to parts of my own experience yeah. that don't yeah. get spoken to a lot yeah. so that's no. why I mean not just because of that I am, oh, no, I've always no. been a champion of, of representation oh, so absolutely. more of that especially in my own writing I try to do that but th- that's where I see it and get to feel yeah. it is in Miss Marvel being a Muslim American and it does it so naturally too it's not like that makes it like the focal point but it's, it's just not like, no it's, she it's it's a part of her but it's, it's like, not yeah like, exactly because a lot yeah. that's a mistake a lot of times yeah. make with portraying minorities like you have to blow it up and make it and make all these statements because go ahead no it, it just makes her just a normal human being and it shows the struggles she goes through and it doesn't like make it so in your face or anything there, like there that. are two ways that it could have gone that would have that I would not have enjoyed one as I've read the first two trades as yeah, well yeah. the first is uh, beating me over the head with political issues mm, right don't want that right. don't need that ever right some political books work I don't sure. like them ever personally okay, yeah, almost yeah. ever I'm right. going to some exceptions sure um, the other way it could go um, is is just you know being very specific to that experience in a way that alienated me because I haven't had that experience mm-hmm. so I just wouldn't get it and, and it's great for people that get it but it finds an program. amazing balance because yeah, she yeah. is two things she's ten things she's fifty things but yeah, yeah. two main things that she is is a Muslim American in that experience mm-hmm. and a teenage girl yeah exactly going through all the stuff that we all went right. through not I'm not a girl but you know all the stuff the growing up stuff that you go sure. through and she's just so relatable as a human sure. aside from any other trapping and then she has these other things and so it's got those two main identifiers already I have one that I can really relate to the other one I find fascinating mm-hmm. giving me more insight to what it must be like to be a Muslim American um, and then just going forward it's a fun book so it's it just is. it's just a trifecta of brilliant writing yeah absolutely yeah, great art. No, oh, yeah, Did they change artists at all in the. Uh, no, um, uh, uh, I don't want to say misspeak. Takeshi, Mizu, shoot, it's the main same two, and that's another thing that speaks cool. to me about that book is it's Adrian Alfona and the yeah. basically the two main artists for pretty much all of Runaways. Yeah, uh, yeah, Brian yeah, K. Yeah, Vaughn's yeah. run. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it speaks to me there. What is Suicide Squad's Rebirth number one and Unfile have in common? Red fingers. <laughs> no, same author. Rob Williams. Huh. Rob oh, Williams Rob, is writing Rob, both okay, books. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Interesting. I didn't realize that, so yeah. Okay. I know him from Martian Manhunter. So. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, which is brilliant, right? Yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, That's how he really got buzzed about. Last book for me that I'm going to bring up okay. is... Uh, I've been rereading Star Wars and oh, Star nice. Wars Darth Vader. Uh, biggest reason for this being... Well, A, they're just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, they hold up really well on rereading. Yeah. Star Wars is just a great... I'm going back to Vader. Yeah, Star yeah. Wars is great at capturing the scale and sense of adventure from the movies mm-hmm. and making it feel like you're, you're reading a film on, on exactly. the page. Uh, Darth Vader, meanwhile, is a great character study that introduces, just seamlessly introduces a constant stream of new characters to the mythology without it feeling forced. Right. Dr. Aphra, BT, Triple Zero, um, all of the, like, Palpatine apprentices are, are just... They're, they're, and Boba Fett's... Um... 
Waukegan. Oh, Panhandle Black Cursant. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, both of those series are just so great. They tie subtly without it being necessary, and they they tell complementary but but separate narratives. Um, I'm in the second trades of each of those, and I'm going to reread Vader down. Biggest ring being vo- the third volumes are now both out. Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah, I can yeah. get Star Wars and Star Wars Darth Vader, uh, which collect the next like four or five issues in the annuals. Yeah, post when does it end? Uh, Vader has Vader? one more trade. Yeah, so it has, it, the final issue comes out next month or yeah. maybe early. Wow. And the, the turnaround on the trade is pretty quick. I think it's October. That they're, they're no, they're very, I mean, I was amazed at that. That's why like it's really hard to keep up because there's so many Star Wars books coming out right now. Yeah. But, uh, um, so yeah. the last, the next Star Wars, Star Wars is still ongoing. So the next trade for that isn't until December, but Darth and, Vader is going to be all done soon. And you know, they announced with the Han Solo movie that there's going to be a female lead in it. I'm thinking it's going to be Sana Solo. Uh, that would know. be really cool. I, mean, I think it would be an awesome way to do that. Be a nice continuity there. Um, also, this was an interesting note. I did not realize Poe Dameron was an ongoing. Is it an? O- it, I thought it was a miniseries. It is apparently an ongoing. Really, the first trade. I read has the first one co- on it. I read the first couple issues, and it was like um, how many issues are in the first trade? Uh, I don't know. They're usually five. Um, is most, but. I don't. But I mean, I read the first couple of issues. It was like a direct Force Awakens prequel. I mean, it literally starts like. That with him meeting Max von Sydow's character. Um, I don't know what their exact plans for it are. So I just know, in looking it up, it was, okay. like, called... And I mean, I can double Because I said on the pocket, like, I thought that that was the one that they jumped the gun too early because of the character's popularity, because yeah. I, I, I want to I wait for that book to come out when we know more about him through, from the movies, because they can only say so much with the comic right now. But uh, that's, that's interesting. Very true. That's very interesting. True. Yeah, it cool. says Poe Dameron, Volume One, Black Squadron. So. Okay. Well, maybe it was just selling well. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's a hit and Charles Soule has more stories, he can I mean, somehow hey, tell. I mean, I mean, oh, Charles Soule has many he stories. Does, yeah. He's written like every Star he's Wars. He's the most prolific dude right ever. He's yeah, just, and I loved Obi Wan Anakin. Yeah. I'm I'm sure he's of the mind that maybe maybe they're of the mind they have this going. Maybe the next year and a half. It's a fun book. I mean, yeah, know, maybe yeah. they'll just tell fun adventures, and yeah. you know a year from now basically that he can start telling more, more because yeah, episode yeah. 8 will be out right, so right. and he'll probably have a little more access to that beforehand than right. most if he is if it is an ongoing sure. um, I think it's up to like issue 7 so yeah interesting uh, okay. maybe, it, maybe it'll be a two trade thing but, okay, but interesting. whatever right now it's still going Awesome. Um, cool. um, so I'm, my last pick is up, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, rather than do that, because I haven't read as much as I wanted to, there's some books that I, I, I'm going to wait till I get a little further in before mm-hmm. I talk about them. Uh, I want to hear about, um, I don't. have you talked about Clean Room on the podcast yet? I have not, no. Let's hear about that. Uh, so I really like Clean Room. Uh, well, no, I mean, is, it's a new Gail yeah. Simone book, and well, yeah, I know I'm, you were looking forward I'm to it. So do it, give okay. me a sec, man. Right. Wow. <laughs> I'm saying I like it. Uh, no, Clean Room is by Gail Simone, uh, who is my... Arguably favorite, I go back and forth. Her yeah. and Brian K. Vaughn are and my two top, favorites. Yeah, uh, comic writers. Um, I love pretty much everything Gail Simone I've read. Um, and this new one is she. She hasn't been super huge in creator owned. Certainly not recently. It's been very much. She's been at Dynamite and she's been at DC. Mm-hmm. She's had a few things. She's been rocking some uh, Conan. No, Red Sonia. Sonia, that's right. Uh, but Clean Room is creator owned. Or as much as you can be at Vertigo. Right. But, you know. know, Sort of. An original property. Um, And it is a very interesting take on kind of... I I think I I sent a text to the group here where I was like, if you guys... If you remember out there, we all really liked Effigy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut off at the knees. Right. 
this is a very similar concept about a reporter who starts looking into this uh, Scientology-type movement. And uh, she manages to, to... There's like, you know, it has this this clean room and there's this whole cleaning you out system mm-hmm. and, you know, there's levels to it. And you oh, God, I love different ratings. stuff. What publisher is this? This is Vertigo. Okay. Uh, I love that stuff. I am so fascinated by the whole it's very Scientology And the thing. founder is Astrid Mueller and she has this whole Hollywood celebrities and, you know, helps them out. Oh, and it, it's, That does sound like FT, but that's cool. But what's cool yeah. about it Good. is it's very much a horror book and right up front, pretty much, it's like... If it, it basically goes because Evagy kind of danced around it, it also kind of went yeah, like, if, yeah. if what the cult believed was real. But right. this very much right away is like no, 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 no. What Astrid Mueller is doing is very much real. There are these thre- like okay. extra dimensional sort of horror creepy threats that are that are s- attaching to people. Yeah, they're doing things to people, and she can see in these clean rooms and can uh, try and work to eradicate. She has one that's been haunting her since she was a little girl, um, and she is using this. She's very much like playing the game it's like yeah she's kind of i don't know how much of like the actual philosophy is is true how much of this bs to get the money but she's using that money and resources to sort of start trying to find a way to combat this bigger threat i see and so it's a split between her narrative and the reporter that has like this natural inclination to be able to see the the truth that's out there um and the reason she starts looking into the cult is because her husband was a member and he ended up shooting his brains out because of something related to uh, it. Uh, never wow. confirmed. And so the first six issues that are in this trade are just sort of this dual narrative sort of slowly building up the world. It has one of the coolest character concepts uh, that I've seen in a while where uh, the reporter character has an, like, there's an uh, one of these demons that has been exercised. Right. Like, you know, if, like with, with Reagan and the exorcist. If, yeah. like, they exercised the demon and it suddenly had to be good, but it was still a demon. And so that's, like, one of the characters that's in the story. And it's just really neat. Wow. It's like, that's a whole... Ca- you can do a whole series just about that. But it's just... That's where... It's, like, one of those... I, I guess one's so good. I just hope the series continues for a while. It's going for at least... I mean, yeah, it's still going. Um, I think it's doing well. I know it's up to at least issue 10 at this point. So there w- hopefully it won't be too, too long before another trade. Um... But yeah, I'm just really, I really enjoyed it. It's been a few weeks now, so it wasn't at the top of my my list of, of books yeah, to talk about. Yeah, but, no, but I just wanted to hear what your thoughts. No, I will definitely podcast. say if you oh. liked Effigy and what Effigy was doing, this has a very similar feel That's about awesome. focusing okay. on that sort of Scientology. Like, I just hope cult. it's not very positive on Scientology and like trying to like give Scientology any kind of credence. No, 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 no. It's I, I think it just it's just concept idea. and and yeah. going. You know, it doesn't paint her as like the best character she's doing really she it's like you know in service of good she's doing a lot of bad type of thing okay so uh i'm really digging clean room awesome uh do do we know is it on is it had issues past that trade already no yeah it's up to issue 10 oh Uh, this first trade was six it's got some really messed up images uh it it is a horror book like um it's one of those things direction even even uh, rock is a horror i'm not the biggest fan of the artist i feel like some of his character faces can be a little samey But it, it's it's the sort of thing where you have to consider what do you want to nail about the book? Yeah. And this course. guy nails the creepy imagery. Like it is it is some messed up things, especially like the end of issue cliffhangers. Really creepy imagery. So as far as the, the artist, not my favorite in terms of like the actual look of the characters, right. but nails the creepy horror stuff. So I'm, I'm really digging that. Interesting. Uh, I feel like it's a similar thing with Darth Vader, actually, where yeah, that yeah. guy, his faces are all right, but that guy nails drawing Darth Vader, and if it's a book called Vader, you, that's what you, you want to see. You want the best-looking Vader, so. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
What? I got a kick out of that. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes things strike you funny. Like, if yeah. you write a book called oh, Vader, you, gotta make you want a good-looking Vader. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Vader let a little badass. So that is what we've been reading. And now we're going to talk about Batman villains. So this is a really great topic. When I first heard the topic uh, from you, Jordan, a couple days ago, uh, I was like... Yes. This topic sounds perfect because a it's a tie into Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad, if any universe it's most attached to, you'd have to say it's the Batman universe. Oh yeah, that's what right they're right. building off of, right? Right, yeah. right, right. I mean, you know, and so, and not only that, but when you think about Batman, I mean, there's just so much Batman going on all the time. We have the Telltale game out right now, uh, which is the new uh, uh, sort of point and click adventure game, Batman: The Telltale Series, I think it's called, sort yeah. of like the Walking Dead game and Walking Dead season two Mm. so Batman's out now it's getting great reviews slightly mixed on certain aspects but generally people love it Suicide Squad just came out um you know Justice League's coming soon Batman is just on a freaking high he's always has been but he's kind of still there yeah he always has has such a deep rogues gallery go ahead and he always he hits all four quadrants of the joy of geek he's obviously comics new game big games in the past got a TV show got movies he's everywhere yeah, people don't get tired of him he's always uh, he does you know. he does He does represent all four quads that's yep. a good point um, but anyway for that reason it's a really good tie in not to mention a really fun subject to talk about and as I started digging into my list I'd love to hear about your guys experiences too when I started digging into my list I was like man it's just fun thinking about these villains and how much like I mean they really are 50% of the Batman picture is like you know it really is like two sides of the same coin. Like you look at the Joker Batman paradigm, you know, it's it's here are two people that act very out of the ordinary. You know, you could call them both crazy or at least extreme, but in very different ways. And so, in a lot of ways, the best Batman villains people say often are the ones that you know bring something out of Batman or represent some aspect of Batman's personality, which is interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of thoughts like that I had. How about you guys? What was your experience like picking choices? I. I it's a big list. I mean, we said that earlier, but it is, it's pretty massive. I mean, there were so many characters who I was, had in mind and was thinking about, and then I would go through the list and be like, oh, right, that's a Batman villain. Yeah. It's like, oh, right, that's a big Batman villain. And I was like, oh, man, I completely forgot about them, or, or where's this guy? And I was like, oh, right, this list is divided into, like, 15 categories of, like, there was, like, the top tier, then there was, like, the, the secondary tier, and then there was, like, the, eh, are they Batman villains tier? Right. And then there were street and and right. cop, corrupt cops. It was crazy amount yeah. of people. The villain teams, which pulled in even more yes, villains. Yes, that's, yeah. That one, uh, it yeah. was, it, Batman's got a big world. I mean, he's been around for 80 years almost. Uh, if not... 30... Was it 39 he was created? So it was almost 80 years. Detective Thomas 27, so yeah. Basically, uh, yeah, basically 80 years. So, that's a lot of history. Um, that's a lot of, of characters that you need villains over that amount of time. And you know, some of these villains have seen a lot more exposure than others, but uh, they're all interesting characters. Some recent years, some from the 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was my experience just being so many, and it was hard narrowing it down to my like favorites. Uh, Kevin, what, what, did you, what was your experience? Um, it was, yeah, I mean, there. I was trying to go for a little more of the obscure route, because, yeah, you too. know, we've seen, I mean, I, we, I figured none of us would do, like, Joker or Two-Face Penguin, kind of the big ones like that. It's, I it's, mean, you're like, can you make play. the Can you make the case that, like, Penguin sucks? No. You no, know what I mean? Exactly. Does yeah, Joker I mean, suck? No, right, you can't. Right. They're great villains. Exactly. Like, That's just without a doubt. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I started going back through some of my favorite comic characters. I mean, I, you know, I mean, Batman's my favorite superhero, so I'd love to pull Mine from. too. Yeah, and it digs back to my childhood watching the animated series and then um, and getting into the comics and how, 
you know, some of the most iconic Batman graphic novels were really what got me in um, to all this in the first place. And so um, there's a lot to pull from. But yeah, it, uh, there were some that came to mind right away. It was hard picking, like, you know, the top three I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. That was the challenge. And, you know, the, that's the thing we always talk about, both on the site and here on the podcast, is there's a difference between favorites and best. If we were doing the best, you'd be like, okay, yeah, Joker, Two-Face, Riddler, Penguin, right. Poison Ivy, Freeze. But favorites is another thing. Yeah. yeah, favorites could be really small, obscure ones. Favorites could be a character that only showed up in one arc, but it was a really good arc. Yeah. Or, or it could be the Bat Family villains that might... I, I think for me, I kept those to honorable mentions, but... There's a lot in the Batman universe to discuss, uh-huh. and uh, we're gonna. I mean, like if you've seen any of the later Arkham games, even those games don't fit in everyone in, and they seem to have everybody just like shoved into a part. So uh, it's interesting, and we're just gonna take a look. Cool. So who are we starting? Uh, Rich, you you punted on the the last comic, so why don't right. you take us to the All first right. spot? So um, my first pick for favorite Batman villains is a little bit of a cheat, but it can't be helped, um, and that is the Court of Owls. Yep. Yeah. It's Sl- legit. Slash legit. Talon. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's on my honorable mention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, first of all, Scott Snyder is genius. Uh, Scott Snyder yeah, is yeah. a genius writer. Uh, he's, as I've said many times, my my love of comics really began with. Aside from watching movies of based on comic properties, my love began with Watchmen, and uh, you know, crept into creator own, and then went to basically some New Fifty Two is where I really picked up on the uh, superhero side and. From one of the biggest books that I was, I mean, I have Batman New Fifty Two number one. Not that it's like a super rare book or anything, but I love that I have that, and it is oh, a yeah. great book. And I read that whole series. I have the trades. I love that Batman run. Uh, I also I read know. before that run the Black Mirror stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really mm-hmm. good. Um, I like all of that stuff, but uh, I just really think that when he did the Court of Owls, uh, which is the first two trades, uh, two arcs of of the New Fifty Two run. Um, that it was just it's just brilliant it he made the city of Gotham so another thing too is you have to also look at like how the how the villain like rea- interacts and reacts with the writer and Scott Snyder to me is that guy he always has like a narrative like super a little overblown but super beginning where he's like this city is a reflection of me I look into its puddles and I see my face you know what I mean like that kind of shit in yeah. every issue that he oh, writes yeah, yeah. he always starts with this like semi overblown narrative thing but with the quarter- he wrote a whole mini series based on that with the gates of God right which was about the literally about like villains based on the architecture mm-hmm. of the city I mean like so. he loves that shit and so What's really cool, though, is that in this case, it works perfectly, because he's basically made the whole city a villain. Um, he's, and, and brilliantly, when, when, you're, when you're a guy like Scott Snyder, and you're, I mean, you're a genius, but no one knows it yet, really, and you get it to be on, I mean, they had to know it somewhat to put him on Batman, but nobody knows the extent of how good he really was going to end up being on that book. And he comes in, and it's like this huge rogues gallery that we've looked at. I mean, there's so many villains. What do you do when you want to create your own new one? How do you fit it in to the whole hit? And he he took that challenge and he grabbed it by the reins and he just ripped at it because he he integrated characters into every like aspect of the continuity. They've always been there under the surface. He 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 characterizes that in they're there in the levels between the levels of the building. So he'd show like a building and there'd be like a floor and then the floor below and then in between is the yep. layer of the owls. Yeah, so brilliant. And for the comic medium, it made a great visual. And it's just this really cool thing. He also used it brilliantly to play with, 
you know, Batman being tested and Batman being put to the test and also integrated with Nightwing. And that really brilliant concept of Nightwing was intended to be a Talon. Talons, by the way, are the, if you don't know, uh, it's uh, these people, like, they're, they're sort of genetically modified from, they're, they're, they're found at a young age with potential, acrobatic, in his case, right. athletic and fighting potential. And then they, like, imbue them with drugs and training and torture and turn them into these perfect assassins right. that hide in these floors and in these nests. And it's just really cool. They use the whole owl concept. And it's also, like, a really good, like I said, a lot of uh, Batman's villains are mirrors, so the, the owl is in many ways like a mirror to the bat, and 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 it it really it, it's like a and also as far as an adversary, it's owls versus bats. I mean, it's just really brilliant. But he, I'm, I'm sort of all over the place here. But there's just so no, many great is. ideas and in this just, story. And from those two volumes, there's just these images that stick out, like the one of them. Um, at the table there, you know? Oh, like, I right? know, with the it's owl like, masks yes, having yes, dinner. Yes. <sighs> it's just, like, things like that because it's so... It stands out so much and it sticks with you. It's He created an icon. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, a lot of villains, it's like, eh, like Mr. Bloom, I'll give you an example. Mr. Bloom may become awesome. He may not. Yeah. I don't know. But I do know that... Not like, to he, the extent Cordova. He's not Cordova's yeah, caliber. Yeah. He's yeah. he's not iconic. They were yeah. instantly iconic. And part of that was laying the foundation of, like, these guys have been there in the whole history of Batman. You didn't know it yet, but they were always there pulling mm-hmm. the strings. Mm-hmm. They have this labyrinth. Remember the labyrinth down there? And he uses it to have that episode. Remember? Do you remember the episode where, as Batman's freaking out on drugs, mm-hmm. the, episode, the, the issue shifts? Yeah. And it takes you upside that, down. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I mean, it's just, it's just, and they did it by printing it funny. And oh, I mean, Capola just, I mean, I mean, it's just a match made in heaven. I mean, they just, it's just when you take a guy with brilliant ideas and you match it with an artist able to pull them off and add his own brilliant ideas Uh in. It's just like perfect comic writing and artist symmetry. Um, and and also it brought us William Cobb, who Uh is the talent, and he's great character. If you ever, I've read the talent series, and he is just phenomenal. So, and 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 just, it's so. It's so full of, of content for the future. Like, the Court of Owls, and they were also in uh, Batman vs. Robin, yeah. which uh, is a uh, D- DC animated, animated yeah. movie, mm-hmm. and, it, and they pulled it off really well. And I watched it, and William Cobb, like, wants to be a mentor to the new Robin, Damien. Mm-hmm. So does Batman, and it leads to conflict, yeah. and it's just so cool. But I just love the concept of these, these, these owls and these assassins, and they've always been hiding there in the rafters. And it's just a great, yeah. iconic... I mean, it's really oh, hard to argue that they're just... As far as new villains being added to the Bat mythos... I mean, I'd they're, say in the last, the some, yeah. And aren't you just super excited they're coming to Gotham this season? Oh, no. are they? Yeah, come they're, they're, on, big bad apparently. For come on, three. that's going to be the mainstream public. Let me see that poster. No, it's real. I mean, come all will on. be judged. That's they're going to be introducing Gotham. That they're going to oh, keep. No, no. <laughs> no. I love the Court of Owls as well. I really like that those two those two arcs. When I was reading an issue, oh, look what this person writes. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, I, I read all through my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah, sure. image. Um, I, like like Rich said, they 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 tie them in throughout right. the whole history. But I right. love one of my favorite moments is when it, it's the iconic scene of him being like, "I'll take on the image of a bat to scare criminals," and the, you see the bat he sees, and it flies outside, and an owl just swoops down and grabs it out of the sky, and I just. Yeah. I, yeah. I love what he did with with those characters and how he introduced them, and you want to see more of them. And honestly, they've been very light handed with returning to that concept, and uh, it's interesting. He's always doing new stuff, like the Riddler in yeah. uh, what's it, in uh, uh, Zero Year, and now he's doing his big Two Face epic. And he did it in All Star, right? And he did a big epic with um, uh, Joker in Death of the Family. I mean, he's and he just, did another big and he did Joker another big epic, and that that one was a mess in my opinion. A lot of people liked Endgame. I didn't. Um, anyway, 
this promo poster, it's a poster of like an owl mask, just to let people know, for Gotham. And it says, all will be judged. Dun, 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 lame. Um, but anyway, the, this, person, the guy this person writes, This promo poster for Season 3 is obviously in advance of whatever Gotham news will be announced slash shown at Comic-Con later this week. But I have to say, this owl mask is incredibly, and I, it, I, it's uh, italics, incredibly yeah. upsetting. I thought the owl masks in the comics were creepy, but this, this, let, looks, let like, this, this looks like H.R. Geiger designed it. That looks awful. It's not a great, yeah. It, it could be worse. Hold on, I can't even tell that that's an owl. I can't wait to see what Talon, their somewhat immortal assassin, looks like. Gotham Season 3 will begin its insanity anew on September 19th. This person's pretty right on. All right, here's, yeah. here it is. Yeah, yeah now. No. So, but yeah, Court of Owls is good. Court of Owls is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they rock. All cool. right. Um, next, I guess we'll just go in reverse order, right? Okay. So that's you? Huh? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll sure, go. right. Uh, so for me, I had, um, I kind of put these in order. They're not super. I'm going to do my honorable mentions before I do my or my last number one. Yeah, yeah I, I actually right. do really like my number one pick. Uh, but my third one I put on here was, I went with Hush. Or Dr. Thomas Ooh, Elliot. That's good my call. number two. So, okay, yeah. that's your number two. Okay. You, you want to just both just talk about Yeah, we can it? just yeah. talk about Hush. Uh, I I really like Batman Hush. I, I know love it's it. it's a divisive storyline. Why is it divisive? Loeb. I love it. Jeff Loeb is just divisive, period. Yeah, but like that and another one I'm gonna talk about soon are some of his best works. Like I it's mean, there but, are problems with Hush. I'm right. not gonna say it's perfect. It is very much just sort of like a but just the idea of Bruce Wayne growing up with someone who's just as intelligent and how that rivalry, the rivalry between them forms at an early age and manifests over time, I love it. I like that. I like. I, I think Batman's, I think a lot of characters' best villains are mirrors of yeah. themselves. And Thomas uh, Blake, or and yeah, Thomas him. Elliot is a mirror of, of Batman. He's yeah. a young, rich kid whose parents dies, but we find out in Batman Hush that he killed his parents and was yeah. trying to emancipate himself basically and he became a villain who was obsessed with uh bruce wayne he even got yeah. surgery to look like him right yeah and uh you know he comes up in the arkham games uh uh-huh. in the later two uh-huh. um he <laughs> i mean every time i think i'm just every time we mention it if they've been on gotham he's just a bully at, at bruce's school uh-huh. in uh, gotham that oh, bruce God. beats up because alfred's like don't let him pick on you go beat the shit out basically i'm that's alfred Alfred. I thought that I thought that you were the one convincing people not to turn good men cruel. Duh. Anyway, no, I, I like that storyline. The yeah. complaints I see with it are that Hush isn't that big a figure in it. Um, to an extent, yeah, I and mean, then they, they do cram a lot of Batman Robin into that story. Yeah, and they yeah. they have a Red Hood fake out because that yeah, was before Red Hood had officially right, turned. That, yeah, yeah, but. The, the biggest complaint that I have, and I agree, is that the story makes no effort to hide, like, Hush's identity at all. It's very no, much no, from I mean, the beginning. Oh, who's yeah. this new character? Oh, wow. Bruce Wayne oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. But he's appeared occasionally since then. He was a big part of Batman Eternal, yeah. I, I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just an interesting concept. I love, I like the design. I like the bandaged up face. And I, I like his general appearance. And I like that story. It looks like Dark Man from, like, you know. The oh, I love that movie. movie. Yeah, oh, it's a great movie. Yeah. Wherever you go, what does it go? Is it uh, at the very the end? Line. There um, I'll be. Yeah, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. It's badass. So this oh, is one, fantastic. again, he's at my third spot. He easily could have switched with one of my honorable mentions, and I'll mention them a little more in detail later, but I like Hush. I think, like yeah. Kevin said, he's just an interesting character. He's a good foil, and he's one that um, hasn't returned a lot. There is a storyline called Hush Returns that's not very good, apparently. Mm, uh, but, yeah. And it's also written by Loeb, so... 
for this yeah. character. And I think for, it was written by your least favorite guy. Uh, I have to think of it. Go ahead. For this character and for the next one here, I also picked out actors who could play them in the DC Universe. Oh. This one, John Hamm. Because uh, oh, it yeah. would also oh, be... Oh, yeah. Okay, especially because Ben Affleck's Batman. John Hamm and Ben Affleck were in the town together. Perfect. And they were out. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so awesome. But, so... Awesome. Hey, hint, 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 DC. I was wrong. It's yeah. AJ Lieberman, who you don't have any connection with. I thought it was that dude who... Scott uh, Lobdell? No, I know you don't like him, but no, I was thinking about that other dude uh, that wrote... Um, uh, you always talk about him. Uh, the guy who wrote uh, the uh, one with the guy... The, um, there's all... Andy Diggle? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't hate Andy Diggle. Okay. I just don't, haven't ever liked anything. I, he's yeah. perfectly serious. That who is what I was thinking of. The one who wrote that one movie book... Uh, yeah, the losers. Yes, that yeah. guy. That guy. Kevin, well, uh, well that was our, our that my was three, your two. Right, What's right. your three? My number three, and this was a tough between those two, picking who was right, but they're both kind of similar. But mine is, and this is one, arguably my favorite Batman graphic novel, and maybe mainstream superhero graphic novel, um, from Batman Long Halloween, Calendar Man. Um, okay. And so, um, Calendar Man is a um, psychopath killer who, well, um... His crimes usually correspond with dates and holidays. Um, and so in The Long Halloween, he's sort of like the Hannibal Lecter figure because he's in Arkham. He knows who hol- the holiday killer in that is, mm-hmm. but he's hiding it from... Um, he won't tell Batman, and he's you know giving him clues and stuff, but he won't outright come and say it. By the way, I don't know, so don't tell me. I actually don't know that. Okay, no, I don't, okay. I don't, I'm not going to spoil right. for you, no. But um, I'm just saying that's the role he plays in Long Halloween. Um, and yeah, his real name is Julian Day. Um, he's, uh, and so that is the storyline he's most famous for. Um, he's actually been around for a really long time, but, um, people know him from that. He's appeared in, I can't, I don't know if he's appeared in video games before. Counterman? Yeah, he's, yeah, okay, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's in the Arkham games. He okay, just yeah, sits yeah, in yeah, a cell. It's and great. That's part of a very yeah, annoying yeah. achievement. Sure. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that achievement where you have to show up, like, at different seasons of the year. Sure. And they brought him into Rebirth recently. I think he makes some New 52 appearances. Um, but I don't know. There's so much I love about the character. I just love um, his, especially in Long Halloween, his banter with Batman there. In that he's so, I mean, he's just so maniacal and twisted and um, and intelligent and is a great foil in that way. Um, and he totally, I mean, especially because Long Halloween plays all these, is, has all these homages to classic noir films and Godfather, and you know, here it's the Science of the Lamb, so he's the Hannibal Lecter. Um, so there's just so much I love about this character, um, and it's one I can see. And uh, if he ever makes the movies, I have an actor for so Conleth Hill, who plays Lord Varys on Game of Thrones. Okay, if you pin like the long Halloween version and put him next to that, he's perfect. They, yes, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so um, that's you know, perfect. Uh, I mean, especially because they're talking about the next Batman solo movie being. One set in Arkham, it should be, and two having multiple rogues. I could, I really want to see him at least make an appearance. Like, I mean, he I, will. For yeah, sure, that's yeah. perfect. He's just in a room, throwing right. away the days, exactly, being all Varisy. Yeah. I could see it. That's it good. would be wonderful. Um, so yeah, I love that character. Somehow has not been on Gotham, even though he seems like the exact. Sort oh yeah, of yeah. For, oh that my god, should be on Gotham. That they could screw up. <laughs> not Mister Freeze. As yeah, Mister Freeze, they had the Balloon Man. At least the Balloon Man made an appearance because he's my man. He's your number two, right? Of uh, course. So, Man, you just stole it. You stole my thunder. He no, was I'll like, tell you a Batman villain you haven't even considered. Whoever kicked John Lehman off of uh, Detective Comics before Gothopia. That's a villain. <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows. I don't know if we mentioned it, but Rich was uh, actually really looking forward to Gothopia. <coughs> I'm choking on my... I, 
heartbreak. <clears throat> yes. Gothopia is just like this really cool idea. And it's like, I don't, maybe it isn't, but it's just like, wait a second. All of a sudden, instead of being black, Gotham's white. I don't mean race-wise. I just mean, like, everybody's in white costumes instead of black ones. And it's like everything that was once dark and gloomy and, and gritty is now bright and beautiful and fun. It's Gothtopia. Everyone's having a great time. But how did Gotham become this way? Who knows? I still don't know because I haven't read it. But I do know that it's, like, two and a half issues freaking long instead of the six issues that Layman should have gotten. I mean, I just don't like it how... How they kind of like it's weird because they were setting it up as almost like a bad event because it, it bled into the other books for like yes, an issue, one issue, and you were reading like Batgirl and it like was the Gothopia issue. Anyway, it pisses me off. But anyway, okay, so yeah, whoever pulled him off that book is a villain. You're right. Okay, um, my number two is um, oh this was this was tough. Um, so I went with. Oh, uh, no, this one's this was only tough because this one was almost my number one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Clayface from the animated series. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Matt Hagen. Matthew yeah, Matt yeah, Hagen, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Um, and I this am- story, if you guys don't know, I'm just going to recap it really quickly for, for listeners. So in that movie, there was this this movie actor. His name was Matt Hagen. He was this great actor, kind of like a Marlon Brando like right. quality of like brilliant actor. And he gets in a car accident and disfigures his face can't really be in movies anymore all of a sudden this evil like corporate ceo guy comes over and he's got this product and i've always been freaked out by like creams and potions and stuff it's just something that always creeps me out because it makes me think like you could become dependent on it or or something i'm just very averse to those kind of things so he comes up with this thing called renew you and it's like this cream that you put on your face and it like lets you morph your face back into like a beautiful handsome mug you know and i was like oh that's so creepy and scary it freaked me out so after he gets this, he ends up having some of his best roles ever, and he's loving it. But there's a dark flip side to it, and that is that the CEO guy wants assassinations to be conducted, and he wants Matt Hagen to use the Renew You um, to impersonate people and do assassinations for him. And finally, at a certain point, he's like, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. And uh, he like something shit goes down. He ends up in a... Uh, like you know, like a Joker, like uh, Ace Chemicals or something like that. But it's where renewal, renew you is being made, and two goons dump a big vat of renew you all over him, and he's like, no! And then all of a sudden, he turns into like a big mound of renew you clay. Uh, yeah. And so, but what's really cool is so that's his normal form is this big monstrous clay man. But at the same time, he can morph into like these actors. And he can look like anybody he wants to look like. And he still has these great roles. But then once he stops with this incredible tension that lets him create the role, he falls into this of clay. And he's got this girlfriend who doesn't know it. And he's trying to like be like the man he used to be for her. And it's so tragic and emotional and beautiful. Oh my god. It broke my heart, that arc. It, it, it made me uncomfortable. It made me uh, intrigued and compelled. And it broke my heart at the same time. It was so good. And it was an example of these little mini arcs. It was like Heart of Clay 1 and 2 or something. And it's these mini arcs that that show would have that were just like so amazing. And to me, I'll never forget that villain. To me, that villain is as good of a comic book villain as I've ever seen in anything ever. The other one I picked, I like a lot, but it was really close. Because Clayface, to me, I just, uh, he couldn't be better. So, anyway, Great, that's but, my pick. Yeah. Awesome. Good pick. Uh, Do you guys remember that episode? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot I, own of the, I own the first couple volumes over there. Is Clayface in it? 
Yeah. I've been watching through some on uh, Netflix. Not Netflix. Amazon. Amazon yeah, yeah, yeah. They Amazon, got Amazon. it all on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. My number two, and this is one where I was like, you know, we, we said at the front, it's like we're not we're not trying to just make the best list of like the top top villains, but at the same time. They are the top top villains for a reason, and it's uh, it's hard not to love a lot of these bigger yeah. like key rogues villains. Sure. And uh, for me, I had a couple different ones that I was going back and forth between because I, I thought there should be some representation. But ultimately, I went with for my number two, uh, Oswald Cobblepot, yeah. the Penguin. Okay, uh, yeah. all right. And and a big reason for this is I always enjoy him when he shows up. He does a really good job, even even in the Catwoman. I've been reading the the uh, Genevieve Valentine Catwoman mm-hmm. crime boss arc. He shows up as sort of this like slimy like opportunist. It's like I'm gonna help whoever's gonna win, and then they'll be my friend. He sort really of is an opportunist always. Yeah, he's, he's not really that cruel. No, he well he can be, but yeah, his bigger thing is just he's always trying to work the angle and figure out who am I gonna align myself with that's gonna best pay off me. Who helps the penguin? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of his arcs revolve around that. Um, I know that he was he, he had a miniseries that I actually read the first few issues of during the new... This this is how into the New 52 I was. I was buying DC villain miniseries issues when it started wow. up because they had the penguin. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was all month. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was pretty solid. Um, he's He showed up a few times since then. I actually do want to read... I think you weren't the biggest fan of Emperor Penguin, which was Layman's story. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's well, Emperor Penguin is not Penguin. No, oh, well, so that's yeah. You'll see. He's on the cover. You'll see. Anyway, I, well, I would like to read now. That's now I'm intrigued. Uh, but I always like the character when he shows up, and and more than any other character, really. When I think of other versions of him in throughout media, I love seeing the Penguin. Like he yeah. he hits more than I think most rogues in terms of his adaptions. Danny DeVito in the Burton movie. Um, he's. Uh, uh, in the video games, Nolan North in the Arkham games. Oh, was him. it? Yeah. I didn't know that. But he kills in those Arkham games. Yeah, he's one of the best things oh, yeah. to show up. And then, of course, uh, and I'm forgetting his name, who plays him on Gotham. Um, oh, that dude. He's the most iconic character on Gotham. Robin Lord Taylor. Uh, he is, in a, in, in a bad show, even when the character's given bad material... Mm-hmm. He's always fun to watch, uh, even when the storylines are so stupid. How about the time when he's eating the uh, cannoli, man? That <laughs> or not eating the cannoli, as it were. Yeah, well, and the one really thing I'll get, like, I, I, I don't watch Gotham or anything, but like the one thing I'll give it is that I mean, I think a lot of that was based on the Earth One storyline, but uh, you know where they connect Penguin to um, the murders of Thomas and Martha Wayne, which is a really cool idea, and they is show, that what it is. Not well, not in the well, show, a, but he is a he is like a low time gang. But it was, so, time, but I'm yeah. guessing that like that's where they got the idea to make him, you know, like a, uh, I don't know. That's my uh, I guess. I don't know. Plus, again, he's also sort of like uh, Hush. He's a rich, right? Similar, like from a name family of Gotham, but just went a different way and a more dark route. And also the animated, like every time he shows up, he has yeah. been an enjoyable character. Um, sure. Obviously, the Gotham version is like a radical departure from the normal Penguin, but it, it hits a lot of those opportunistic, wants to be the king of the city type of roles. Um, I just like the Penguin. I mean, I, I always have. He's he's a he can be a cartoony villain or he can be a super serious villain. They, they've they've done runs where he looks really stupid. They've done runs where he looks really terrifying and like messed up. I just like the Penguin a lot. So of the big. Big rogues gallery ones. That's the one I went with for my number two spot. Cool, Kevin. We hit your number so two. Yeah, I can do my honorable mentions now. Oh, well, we're going to be doing those though. So, 
Or do you, uh, do you want to... Okay. Uh, well, well we can just we go on? to Rich's on it and just keep the run going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. Sure. What okay, do you got? Cool. Um, well, I'll make, mine, I'll make mine kind of brief. as if I'm bad. I just didn't mean to oh, no, 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 All right, cool. Um, if anyone so, stole it, it was me. I had... That. All right. No, okay. <laughs> so no, I no, just, I'm just going to bust out a couple quick picks um, of people that I liked. Um, the first uh, one is Professor Pig. Oh, yeah. Um, again, He's on my short list. Yeah. Again, it has to come down to what my experiences have been. And uh-huh. one of my experiences was reading the Grant Morrison Batman and Robin uh-huh. run when he was introduced. And I just had a great time with that. In a similar vein, uh, he's a great character, really great. In a similar vein, I also like the Dollmaker a lot. Dollmaker, I considered it, yeah. I like those characters who are really disturbed and are like, and, 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 are, and are in their disturbedness damaging others, not really intending to be horrible, but they're so damaged that uh-huh. they're just... They're trying to create perfection out of a life that's so damaged and ruined that they're doing all this tremendous harm and, and they don't maybe even know it and they're just trying to create perfection. I don't know. I always find those kind of concepts really interesting and so I like both those characters for those reasons. Um, my last one is a real uh, 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 deep pick, uh, deep cut. Uh, Alice from Batwoman. Okay. Are you familiar with okay. Alice? She is. She's from the, the original Rucker run. Right? Yes, she's from like Detective Comics 854, I think she was introduced or something like uh-huh. that. But she is this really cool, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland inspired character. And what really makes her sing is the vis- visual depiction. Because J.H. Williams III, as you may know, is like ludicrously talented artist. He's also the one who did like the Sandman Overture book and like a bunch of stuff. Um, but if you see an image of. Um, uh, let's see if I let's see if I do Alice Bat villain. Yeah, yeah, this she she's just like you know, I'll show you her and you'll be like, oh man, she's awesome. Uh, I think this is her. Um, she just she just has this. Yeah, there she is. Oh damn advertisements and they make me wait six seconds. They're talking about Batman the Telltale animated series. Yeah, at least it's a, at least it's a relevant ad. Um, okay, yeah, there's Alice. See, there's what she looks like. Okay, cool. You see. Yeah, nice. she's really cool though. She's she's very. I don't know how you would describe her, but she's got like just a very like I don't know almost Harlequin esque look. Um, very like gussied up. She's just a really cool looking character, and she's a really good foil for Cassandra. Is it Cassandra Kane? Is that no? It's Kane. Kate Kane. Kate Kane, um, who's a really great Batwoman. Um, who was a uh, gay character, one of the first uh, DC gay characters ever introduced. Um, so I was loving that book. It was just really original and unique to to look at, to, to read. The ideas were new and cool. It was very bold. And this villain was just really evil and eerie and cool. So I really liked Alice uh, from Batwoman. That's it. Awesome. Uh, so for my honorable mentions, uh, like I said, a lot of mine, uh, for different reasons, I really like, but I didn't feel like putting them in my top three was appropriate. The, the biggest one is probably the Riddler. I love the Riddler as a concept. By the way, Riddler's my pick, number one. Okay, well, well, I'll just say very briefly, uh, as much as I like the Riddler and I remember from the animated series, I, I just, I, they, you know, I've heard it zero year, but I haven't read the definitive, like, Riddler story. I love the concept of the character is, like, someone who wants to be as smart or smarter than Batman, but, like, keeps shooting himself in the foot with the clues he leaves and all that. So he yeah, wants to outsmart yeah. Batman as opposed to just getting away with crimes. Um... And he's been handled so weirdly on Gotham uh, as, as a main character. He is a castmate for two years now. Um, but I, I love the concept of the character. I just haven't seen like the definitive Riddler story. And I, I really would like to read Zero Year because I've heard it is that. Zero Year uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah. So there's that. 
Uh, then I have some that are more tangentially connected. Uh, the first was Catman, Thomas Blake, who is... Uh, he's really cool. He's, he's a really, really cool character. He didn't start that way. Like, he was a joke for the longest time. It yeah. was in Secret yeah. Six, where but it was give like... It, give it up to Gail Simone. Yeah, Gail Simone really recentered the character, gave him, like, his African pilgrimage, where he got in touch with big cats and just became, like, a serious contender in the yeah. DC Universe. He's a great member of Secret Six, has a great antagonistic relationship with Deadshot. Um, and it's just, he, he's a really cool character. But as far as his, like, antagonistic relationship with Batman, like, it's almost funny, because anytime he and Batman run into each other, Batman kind of is a dick about it. It's like, oh, Catman. Okay. But I like Catman as a character. The other one, and this one is easily the most tangential, but in Birds of Prey, Gail Simone again, uh, there's the character Savant, who is like a... I, I don't know exactly what his condition is, but he, his memories are like out of order, so he forgets what he's done at times. But he, he kid, like he op- he's introduced kidnapping Black Canary with his uh, assistant Creote, I think is his name, and they they're torturing her and trying to like pull a plan off across the city to like find out who Oracle is. He's really more a Birds of Prey villain, but then once they beat him, they start to try and reform him because of the mental issues and whether or not he can be a good person or not, and giving him certain restrictions and trying to turn him into a superhero. Uh, and he just has a really good arc over the course of her Birds of Prey run. He's been around since. I know he's in the first Suicide Squad train mm. in a very bit part. He he actually yeah. kind of gets punked out yeah. uh, in a pretty crappy way there. But for the work Gail Simone did, I liked him. So those are my honorable mentions. Okay, cool. Um, Riddler. Oh, nice. So Riddler was an honorable mention as well. Basically the same reasons you had on there. Uh, Matt Hatter is... Uh, oh, Matt Hatter's yeah. great. Um, he's coming to Gotham. Oh, Everyone's Croc and, Croc and Harley Quinn are coming to Gotham. <laughs> Harley, oh yes, Harley, Proto Harley, and oh Proto gosh. Killer Clown. Oh my gosh! So like Harley and Quinzel, I guess. Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm not, I'm not even gonna talk about that. I'm not even. Gonna talk, I'm not even going there. Um, Matt Hatter. So most of my exposure came from the animated series, and then I also really like the non-canon graphic novel um, Batman Through the Looking Glass, which is um, in, obviously inspired by Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. and um, it directly followed the plot, and the art style is meant to mimic it. Um, that's a really fun story, which um, has him as the antagonist there. But, um, yeah, he's just, I mean, enjoyable to watch, but also ridiculously twisted and psychotic. And, you know, it's it's actually kind of amazing they put him in a kid's show, because, I mean, he just, like, I mean, like Scarecrow, he has this psychological effect, um, and that's what he surrounds himself with, so... Really fascinating. Um, Court of Owls was on here. Um, Hugo Strange is another one, you know, just because um, they're all, you know, Matt Scientist, kind of the classic, kind of the um, lots of love there. Uh, Man Bat um, is another great sort of antithesis to Batman, but, um, you know, Kirk Langstrom is someone who can't control it, so you've kind of got an old Jekyll and Hyde thing going on there that I really like. Um, of course, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, um, for obvious reasons. Harley Quinn, you know, Mad Love is probably one of the best Batman graphic novels ever produced. Um, and yeah, Red Hood. Um, Damn, I had a lot of honorable mentions. Sorry, I kind of did, yeah, but those are, I mean, it, that's, it was hard. Like, not, I'm not, these are like, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I will say, Hugo Strange is one of the few <laughs> things Gotham has handled really well. I can see it. Well, he's, I guess, like, comical enough to where I could see him fit in. Oh, normal you just, enough. You just, you finally got it. He's been, like, baiting the hook of getting you to, to comment on Gotham no, this no, no, whole no, no. episode. I'm and just, finally you're like, ah! I just it. can't help talking about that show because it's so interesting and how bad it is. 
But Hugo Strange is the sort of character that show should be doing. He's a character that is an older... You could do a young Hugo Strange... And still and have him be... Have him be eventually a Batman villain. It's not... I got a better idea. It's just a idea. world where Batman doesn't exist. I got a better idea. That dude who is in jail who can, like, steal your years needs to go around to every character... And Just like age, ter- them age them up, they and then make it shot that Batman. Down. I know, make it Batman. He's probably gonna age poison ivy, and then a cop's gonna be like you and shoot him, and that's gonna be it. I would not be surprised. I with that know. that is. They even said it. They were like. We don't have any plans to make blah, blah, blah older anytime soon, you know. And I just left Two-Face and Joker out because, I mean, that's too obvious. I, I, I'll be, but. yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't mind David Mazous as Bruce Wayne. It's just for him to naturally age is going to take a while. What are you going to do, though? But yeah, that's okay, but he's got the name. Yeah, the sorry, I, I, Dude's I, I left it off the gun. I left it off the lot a kid. there. But he's not a freaking. Anyway. That's what I love about Batman's Rose Gallery is just, it's so hard to choose favorites there because there are, there are a lot of great ones. It's true. I, all these honorable mentions, I honestly, unless it's somehow your number one, which I seriously doubt, I'm surprised this one, my number one, has not come up. I, what, I think I know Rich. what it is. Yeah, I think I know what it is. Um, we'll Alright, so um, my number one is the Riddler. Yeah, uh, okay. One of the things that I love about the Riddler is how well he's depicted in the Arkham games, which I absolutely love. I love going around for Riddler trophies. Everyone and always if, says he's the big, true big bad. He, he is. He's yeah, always yeah. the one that you have to fight last. He's got. I just love how he's always setting up traps. I love traps and magic and tricks and riddles, and I just love those things And in if general. you can outsmart the world's greatest detective, I mean, he... That's a pretty It'd remarkable. Be it. It'd be it. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's just so interesting, and he and he's depicted so many different ways. And I just I just love that there's this character who's just you know tries to think 150 steps ahead of everybody else. So he's like playing a chess game in his head of 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 the of life. And I just I love that character. I actually haven't read Zero Year yet. As oh, much really? as I love that character, I have it at home. I have Secret City. I'm the second one. I'm the first one. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to read it because okay. I hear it's again the quintessential Riddler story. Yeah, yeah. But I just love the Riddler. I've always loved the Riddler. I just he's just a fascinating character. I mean, definitely my favorite. Uh, you know, non Joker. Yeah, Batman villain. I just love the Riddler. It's What's great? I, I did want to bring up. It's like cause every again. I, I want to read it and, and feel it. I just I felt like I couldn't give it to him because I like the concept. I just haven't seen enough of him. What's weird is I know he was a. <laughs> The biggest part I've read from him was he was in uh, that that weekly series Trinity uh, for a good bit. Oh, but yeah. it, was, it was when he was a good guy. There was actually a period where he he, well, he's a good he guy became an actual from... detective. Uh, him on God. Wait, there's a, him being a detective in Trinity for how long and how involved? Well, it wasn't in well in Trinity. It like focuses on him a little bit because there's like an alternate universe version of the Riddler that's doing bad stuff. But there was a period in comics of a few years, and I, I think it, he showed up in a, a bunch of different books where he was like, I'm going to be a good guy and solve other people's Ooh, puzzles. Ooh, I want that. Yeah, I would love to see Don't him. you? Yes. He's I'd got like, this look on his face, Kevin, that matches the way I'm thinking about yeah. this. That's yeah, I would love problem. to I see that. that run collected. I don't know if it was a run. I don't think he had a solo book. He just was good for a while and was like showing up, doing things That's like, awesome. ah, this is what you overlooked. Oh, that sounds cool. oh, oh! All right. Anyway. It's like a Riddler who accepted the Batman was always going to beat him and was like, "I'm I'm good with number two. Right? Because <laughs> number two is pretty rad. Yeah, yeah. All right. So my number one comes from uh, technically I I don't actually know how often Bruce Wayne has faced off against this character, but the biggest role I think he played. Well, maybe it was. I'm I'm actually forgetting because it's been so long. But it was either the Dick Grayson Batman or Bruce Wayne Batman that faced yeah. off against James Gordon Jr. Yeah. Who I put as my favorite. Oh, mirror. Okay. Black mirror. Okay. 
Yeah, Black Mirror. Um, I really like this character. Um, I think it's number one. I, it's a favorites <laughs> list. Okay. Well, no, honestly, Black that. Mirror is one of my favorite Batman stories. Um, right. He's not in all of it, but the parts that he is in, yeah. like the Francesco Francavilla illustrated oh, backup, man, it's where it's like his and like the interactions. It's it's because it gets to James Gordon, who's a character who's so infallible, but but it's his son. So it's like so much of it for Gordon is the struggle of what do I compromise because it's my son, and moreover, James Gordon Jr. can really get to his dad because uh, he knows him so well. He makes for a great villain. He does some really messed up stuff. I mean, in a lot of ways, yeah, he's just a serial killer. But he's a serial killer with super close ties to a lot of major Batman characters. Like when you described it, the Francesco Francavilla stuff, when you see him with his glasses on, they're like these mirror shades, and he just looks like this... He just looks like the son that you, you, you raised and had such high hopes for. And everything you tried to do to make him great backfired. And he's turned into this little monster. And in this case, a true monster. And how horrific that would be. It's like, it's the perfect psychological horror for a father, you know? Yeah, and it's just a really good storyline there. Uh Uh, All the flashback material showing him as a little kid, and it it just flavors everything. Like, because he shows up a lot in the flashbacks in Batgirl, and Gail Simone does a lot with that, of showing, like, this this detached, kind of creepy kid that... You could just take as an antisocial kid, but is actually going to become a serial killer. Uh-huh. And then she does a lot of good work with the character. He becomes a major player in Batgirl because Barbara Gordon's his sister. And so there's more, even more storyline. So in a lot of ways, it's that I've read a lot of James Gordon Jr. And I just really like the character and what they've done with him. Um, and I feel like he hasn't been overplayed. I think he has shown up a few times in the, um, I think it was in the Forever Evil Arkham story, Arkham War I gave story up on line. Forever Evil after yeah, I don't know. a few issues. Yeah, <laughs> that was a rough one. He's shown up a few times, but I think they've always used him very well, even when it, uh, I don't know if they were confirmed, I don't think they confirmed he died, but even when it seemed like Batgirl killed him for a little bit, they mined great drama out of that with James Gordon finally being like, no, you killed my son, I'm taking you down. Even though it was James Gordon Jr., because it's like, Bats shouldn't kill, and that's like the one rule. Mm-hmm. It's just, it does so much great, I've, I've always liked the character, and uh, I think some of the best Batman stories of the past ten years have been focused around him, so. I'm awesome. James Gordon Jr., Awesome. All right. I realized that, you know, I, I also like Scarecrow a lot. I never really talked yeah, about him. Yeah, I was considering. I thought this might be what you remember the plot, but he did re- re- mention it. Um, Kevin did mention it offhand there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Anyway, good lists. Yeah, definitely. And then right, obviously the Joker's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Kevin's number one. So, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my God, I'm so sorry. One. No, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> All right, cool, All right. cool. So my number... I thought you'd done it. Okay, No, 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 no. I, we did, I don't know what mentions, but yeah. Okay, so my number one... So, this was a hard list to make, but as far as picking my number one, other than Joker and Two-Face, there was no question. Razal Ghul. I mean, oh! Uh, like, that was just like... I want Rage, however you want to pronounce it, but like... Perfect it's pick. It's just... I'm like, as far as someone... Perfect pick. I love every time I see him, both in the comics, in the Nolan trilogy, even in the Arrowverse. Like, I was slow... I wasn't sure about the, the actor who played him at first on Arrow, but then I warmed up and I loved him, but... Yeah, that mid-season finale was fantastic, even though it was a muddled season. Um, and, I mean, there's just so much love about the way... It just, I, what I, I probably what I find most intriguing about Razzle is every time he leaves a fight, he says, Until next time, detective! You know, like, he just has this candid manner about him, and because he's immortal, he fears nothing, and... He's a little he's, above it all. Oh, Always very much above been. it all, and, I mean, what they do with his mythology, and... Probably my favorite arc with him is not a Batman story, but the Justice League um, Tower of Babel. 
um, is I love that story. Um, it's by Mark Waite, who's one of my if Mark not Waite's my genius. if not my favorite comic book writer yeah. in my top two, top three. Um, and so there's just so much to love about Rod. And I mean, I'm glad that the portrayals of him on film have been you know on par with the level of his character. You know, I mean, of course Liam Neeson gave a great portrayal, and I'm excited. I would be more than happy to see him again. Um, I especially love him in Under the Red Hood, um, both in the comic and then when Jason Isaacs plays him in the animated movie. Uh, so there's just, I mean, just like you said, the above everything kind of mythological element. Um, but who also, who someone is not so otherworldly that he bores you, it's just that's what makes him so intriguing. Um, and of course, when, you know, uh, Damien Wayne is born. He becomes an even more tied to Batman than ever. What did you think about? Isn't he in Batman Begins? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's the main. The, it's Liam Neeson. What, what did you think of that? Oh, I love it there. Yeah. Yeah, I like that they set him up as um, Ken Watanabe, and then that was just a right. um, foil. And then he was like, "Oh no, I love it there." Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I can't think of an. I mean, in the animated or in the movies portrayal of him, I don't like. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially in the animated series, you know, he was introduced in the Demon Side arc. Atali um, is a great character, oh, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just that whole Al Ghul. You know what's really good about it? It's like the Joker, I can understand how somebody would have come up with that. Right. Uh, even the Penguin, like very right. creative people, but I could see where that comes from. And they're based on, I mean... Ray Shal Ghul? Yeah. Where the fuck did you come up with I that know. idea? <laughs> And like what? Yeah. What were you on? What were you thinking? Exactly. Like the creativity it come, takes to come up with that concept in his Lazarus pit yeah. and all that. I'm sure it comes from some inspiration, but, but not an inspiration brilliant. I ever heard of. No. It's like from whole cloth genius. Just who came up yeah. with that character? You guys know? Not off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, I've got a poster up there that that's a Neil Adams drawing there, and that was one of the earlier stuff. But look that up though. I I should know that. I, I will say I'm happy that Arrow <clears throat> I would have used him so extensively because yeah. it means Gotham probably won't use him ever. Right, right, right. Uh, which, is, which is good. I'm okay with <laughs> Yes, definitely. They need to. He was created by Denis, Denis, Denis O'Neill and Neil Adams that's okay, that's uh, in 1971. That makes it, yeah. Because I got the big poster from one of the, the first arcs there. So, I mean, yeah. It that, stands for Ghoul's Head or Demon's Head in Arabic. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. He may even, I mean, in many ways, he rivals Joker Dude. as a Batman villain. Yeah, I mean, he he's just, definitely I mean, got that kind of status, right? He's the perfect antithesis to Bruce Wayne in so many ways. Um, and yeah, just and taking both, all of his talent and right. skill, except for evil and assassination exactly. instead of good. And even then, at the root of it, he thinks he's doing the right thing because he's trying to return the world to a sort of genesis type thing. And, um, ridded of the corruption, you know. I mean, yeah. he, and he'll risk millions of lives to do that. But in his mind, he thinks he's doing good, and that's what makes him such complex and such an intriguing. A lot, again, a lot of the best villains are mirrors, yeah. and a lot of the best villains are people who are the heroes of their own story. Exactly. It's very interesting. Yeah, that is a really good pick. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Yeah, he was on my list, but I wasn't. Uh... Again, I've mainly seen him in Arrow, so it's hard to... Uh, and obviously Batman Begins. Right, 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 right. Well, I don't love him enough to put him on my top list, uh-huh. but I love that because his personal connection to me isn't there. But him as a character, uh-huh. I mean, it can't be denied he's top three or top right, five. Right, I mean, just in significance in the lore. Sure. And also, think about how much he was in Batman Arkham City, was it? Yeah, he was the main villain there, basically. Him yeah. and Hugo Strange. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of uh, Ray Shiraz or whatever in that. But anyway, really yeah. cool. Good call. Yeah. 
Nice. Nice anyway. Like I was saying, nice list all around. Um, Joker is is obviously... uh, Yeah, Joker, Freeze, Ivy... Two-Face. Harley. A lot of these villains um, are great. It's really hard to make this list, and I was trying to go for some that I think... Don't get as much love. Yeah. Um, but I, I love all those villains. I love. The, I mean, the Batman rogues gallery is uh, it's second to none. It's like that and Spider-Man have the two greatest rogues galleries of all time. Sure. Um, and as much as I love Spider-Man, I, I get that the needle probably does lean Batman on that. He just has so many that have shown up and been significant and have bre- breaked into bro- eh, broken into popular culture knowledge of, of just who they are. So... Uh, it's a yeah. great list, and it was fun talking about those characters today. Absolutely. No doubt, no doubt, awesome. So <laughs> why don't we? Um, why don't we talk about where everyone can find us, and then we'll close out with uh, what we're going to be reading next. Yeah. So as ever, you can find us at the Joy of Game on Twitter, uh, the Joy of Geek, Joy of Gaming on Facebook. Uh, you can find me personally at Indigo Master E N D I G O M A S T E R. Uh, that is my Twitter handle. You can also find me at jordanalzega.tumblr.com. And you can find all of us at thejoyofgeek.net, where we've been doing a whole bunch of great writing. Uh, a lot of the recent movies that have come out. We did a Suicide Squad face-off. Uh, Links to the podcast episodes as, as, as soon as they come up. You can also find those on iTunes, of course. Yeah, and then uh, just just a bunch of different things. A lot of Batman-related things. Uh, Batman Suicide Squad stuff uh-huh. that's good writing. Uh, check out Kevin's review there. Arkham but, uh, City sequel slump. Yeah, I did an, an old article on Arkham City. So I've got a series on um, doing cult classics on Blu-ray. So Ooh. I did Flash Gordon the other day. Um, awesome. So launch that. So I got to read that. Um, so yeah. Great. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter at kwshafe. That's k w s c h a e f. Um, you can find me uh, rich at rich Lepore on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me obviously thejoyofgeek.net, uh, joyofgaming.com. Um, yeah. Be sure to go go to the site, check out the articles, leave us a comment or two. We'd love to have discussions with you guys about these topics. Uh, we'll sure. probably try and maybe start doing like forum-ish posts with the link to the podcast and then talk to us. We want to yeah, we we discuss some, we these We want things. some feedback. We know, there's a, we know we have a lot of listeners out there. Uh, we want to hear from you. Yeah, so that would be cool. But uh, yeah, as far as uh, what are we going to be reading? All right, so I'm going to be uh, catching up uh, on. There's so many books I want to read. I always make this list, and it's always ludicrous. But I want to read the rest of 140 characters. Um, I want to read uh, some more Preacher. I want to finish that Outcast trade um, that I borrowed from Kevin over here. Um, I mean, there's just so many books I want to read. I can't. I mean, I want to read Batgirl Burnside. I haven't finished that. I mean, I just have so many books. What I really want to do, though is finished the freaking Batman the Wrath book so I can get to Gothtopia so that next time we have a comics podcast you guys hold me to this that I can I can riff on my actual thoughts on Gothtopia mm-hmm. and I, oh number one I just forgot number one um, that and then uh, uh, Zero Year Secret City nice. that's it after this conversation beeline good stuff awesome uh, I will be hopefully picking up those Star Wars and Star Wars Darth Vader Volume 3's love to see what happens next in those stories and start to approach the end for Darth Vader. Sad as that is to say. I'm also going to be finishing, or at some point, getting through the rest of the Spider-Women event. It's a big event, actually. It's pretty pretty chock-full of stuff, and I've been reading it just in bits and pieces, issue at a time, so I don't have much of that left. Really fun arc so far. Um, and I will also probably be getting around to reading more Preacher. I finished the first book of it, so I'd like to get the second one and read more of that. 
Uh, and it's probably going to start good time with more trades coming now. It's kind of, you yeah. know, trades ebb and flow. I'd, I'd say that start to be about a lot of good ones coming out. I know Huck just came out. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind trying that out. Uh, so yeah, Kevin. Cool. Um, yeah, I got, like, so I'm going to start an Alviter soon. Because um, I have the first trade on these. Awesome. But um, looking forward to that. So good. Um, so yeah, um, trying to keep up with three birth titles. Um, Which ones are you reading? Flash, Suicide Squad, Batman... Um, I need to get a Green Arrow, um, and some of the Superman spinoffs I'm more interested than the main. I mean, the main book sounds pretty cool too, but like Superwoman is that still by Josh, Josh Jose Chung or whatever the one, the guy who did uh, uh, the hero? Uh, Maybe I don't know. I can, like I can't really keep up with his Superman. Okay, right now, so. cool. Um, and yeah, rereading slash catching up on Star Wars, um, both the main series and spin. I'm a few issues behind of the main series, and um, I need to catch up Vader. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, on that note, I'm Rich Lepore. Jordan Alseca. Kevin Schaefer. And we will see you all in a week. Bye-bye.